Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome back to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you so much for being with us here on episode number 98 it is monday september 10th 2018 i am joe Morata. that is michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy doody howdy doody michael we are ready to romp our fans through the world of retro wrestling are we not we are definitely ready you know what i've just been reminded we are one episode away from that's right. One more episode will be 99, and then we count down towards 100, and we're counting down towards the romp of retro wrestling this episode before we get to our great topics, our great things in store for you. I do want to remind you of a few things. If you haven't yet and you have a Twitter, go follow us there. You can do that at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there is a great social media interaction service that we have available. It's quite the service, and it's free, 100% free. It's called uh, Facebook.free. So anyway, we're going to this Facebook group. So over there, you can basically sign up, and how we receive the name is you go to the search bar on Facebook, right? right. And you type in our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. Hit join, and then we take, we actually copy all the names down onto a clipboard. Yeah. Give it to HR. But either way, you're in. There's really not really an approval process, but. No, you just hit the join button. It's only on our side there's an approval process. It takes like a second. Right. And yeah. we let you in. And if you're a little gun shy about joining the Retro Wrestling Facebook group, I want to remind you that uh, you're not going to get yelled at. You know, you're not going to get accosted for your opinions on wrestling. Right. I've said many times, I won't argue with anyone except Quinn on the show, and that's it. You know, if you like something that we don't, that's fine. You know, we embrace the weird, the wild, the traditional, all sorts of things. If you're a wrestling maverick and you like 1993, like Pablo Melons, hmm. you're welcome. You know, if you only like 1970s wrestling, then there's something wrong with you, but you're still welcome. Well, I'll always argue for the merits of Halloween Havoc being goofy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Chuck Mess uh, had a problem with that the other day. Well, Chuck Mess has problems with you quite yeah. frequently, Quinn. Yeah. But go to the group, meet Chuck Mess. You can meet him there and a bunch yeah. of other retro wrestling just, fanatics. Just, you know what? If you join the group now, the first post you should put is, hey, what's up, Chuck Mess? <laughs> you should, like, actually. Yeah. And uh, it, it'll be a great time, really. We promise. We're It's a fun community and we would love to have you there. So if you're listener to the show and you do have facebook go join the group another thing i want to mention uh, and later on in the show we'll have more information on our patreon and some friends of the show but before i forget we are counting down towards ovp 100 that's in two weeks wow Quinn. two weeks two weeks away and today's the deadline folks uh, stretch it into tomorrow if we need to but if you want your voice heard on ovp 100 Send in a one to two minute audio clip. It can be from your phone to ovppodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have a poem or an essay yeah. that you want Quinn or I to read, feel free to do that as well. If you don't like the sound of your own voice, it's quite a wreck. But tonight's the deadline. That's it. Maybe yeah. tomorrow. If you want to be heard, we want you heard. We it, want to hear from you. It's crazy, Joe. A hundred years. I, I remember in 1918 um, when we started man. this this show. Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, World War One had just ended. Yeah, women were almost able to vote. That yeah. whole suffrage thing was was going on. And um, I I don't know who who was the champion then because we had had a couple by that point, right? Well, well it was I don't know 
think it was Hackenschmidt anymore. Oh, yeah. Did he was it Carl Gotch? Did he lose it yet to Farmer Burns? <laughs> I think Farmer Burns had it in the 1700s. But anyway, yeah, it was, it's been 100, 100 glorious years, as Larry Nabisco would say. Yes. Um, so we want to we wanna celebrate that with yeah. you. If you want your voice heard, toast us, roast us, whatever you yep. want to do. Do it today, okay? Just do it today. Do it by tomorrow. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, just do it, okay? And I'll make it work. But anyway, Quinn, all season long, we have been uh, going through the 90s in a nutshell. And we have been uh, recapping year by year some of the highlights and lowlights of each year. Quinn, last year was 1997. And last year, Sean loses a smile. Brett loses his shit. Austin is on the rise. And Hogan and Sting happens. And it stinks, basically. That is 1997 in a nutshell. Let's go to 1998 in a nutshell. Welcome, everybody. The revolutionary force in sports entertainment. As the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Oh my God! Good guys versus bad guys. The WCW. New World Order. It sucks. Ah, 1998. In a nutshell, Quinn, I loved, 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 loved the year 1998 across the board in pop culture. PlayStation was a big deal. Oh, I like that. N64 was a big deal. Well, I like that too. The Yankees won the World Series. I like that. The McGuire Sosa home run chase. Big fan of that. And the wrestling Goodness gracious, Everything gravy. was good. It was anything bad in 1998? Well, I guess we'll have to find out okay. as we uh, go through this little nutshell here. But to, man, we're hopping off a great year of 97, and they built upon 97 very right. well. Things have been building up since 96. We've been getting better. I would say this. 1997 was probably the most interesting year. Yeah. Whereas oh, 1998 yeah. was like, it was like harvesting, right? Time, like it was like all this stuff that had built up, and it was like let's let's reap the benefits. Yeah, this is a big year of the reapers. Yeah, you know, uh, not to be confused with Satan Taker. That'd be ninety nine. Right. But yeah, in ninety eight, Quinn, to start it off, let's just start it off in the World Wrestling Federation in January. Big deal. Mike Tyson makes his WWF debut, and he's there for like a lot of Raw. Yeah, he's there for a lot of the show. To me, that's like when the WWF exploded back into consciousness because. Before that, I mean, WCW was just, even on the mainstream level, people people knew what that was. Kicking their like, ass. They were like, oh, WWF, that thing Hulk Hogan was in before he was in WCW. Right. That's like what people thought. That's the lame wrestling. Yeah. You know, that's the old wrestling. Yeah, exactly. But, but now Mike Tyson's here. Like, yeah. what the hell? Makes his debut at the Royal Rumble. Uh, calls Austin Coldstone a real yeah. lot. What do you think of Stone Cold? And Vince, man, Coldstone is my man. He won. Even though he mispronounced Cold a thing Stone. or two, he was a great he was fan awesome. awesome. Of it, and he liked it, and he was like willing to do what they needed to do, and he did it. He had he, the utmost respect for the business. Right, exactly, which is the is something you don't find a lot in the celebrities that no. come along to wrestling. No, you really don't. He had the utmost respect for the business. He turned heel, he joined DX. Remember that? Yeah. It was awesome. It and was then, great. And then, remember, you are heartbreak! Yeah, <laughs> that, whole, that whole like supporting Shawn Michaels. Yeah. It was great. It was. All of it was good. All um, of it was good. Mike Tyson is one of those things that can't be underestimated i think a lot of people don't think of it as something that 
was as big nowadays. But it was. But it was. This is only like six, seven months after the bite fight. I mean, this was... He uh, was relevant. I just remember Roz Abrams on the <laughs> local news in New York. Roz. Like, actually acknowledging this happened. Like, the right. fact that it was on the local news yeah. was, like, very weird. Our local New York news? No, you're absolutely right, Quinn. And they picked it up as, like, a big story. Like, they were yeah. like, this is real. This like, mattered. You know, yeah. this was a big deal. Mike Tyson? Yeah. In the wrestling? Yeah. Mike Tyson and his new WrestleMania pals will hit the mats on March 29th on pay-per-view. At the Royal Rumble, Steve Austin won, which everyone kind of knew he would. That but was, he should have. <laughs> something that actually affects 1998 and a few years following also happened, Quinn. Right. And that was Shawn Michaels. Michaels took a particularly brutal bump on his back against the Undertaker yeah, on the casket. He went casket. over the top, and the the lower portion of his back hit the, the casket. He uh, herniated two discs, I believe, and yeah. was out for four years. Yeah, he literally did not wrestle. I didn't even notice this at the time. Yeah, he didn't wrestle until WrestleMania. Right. Well, I mean, he was all over he? the show. How the hell could he how even could wrestle? He? It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Speaking of pretty bad, in February, WCW Super Brawl 8, continuing their tradition of crappy Super Brawl main events, mm-hmm. we have the rematch of Hogan Sting. However, since Starcade, the title's been vacant. So that's a good way to start off your new hero. <laughs> that is that's vacate very, the title. Very WCW. Very. I mean, even in their glory days, they would have done that same kind I know. of thing. Like, I know. You're absolutely right. Even at their best, they would do something <laughs> like that. Sting defeats Hogan. Hogan for the title after a million NWO guys <laughs> run in, but Randy Savage hits Hulk Hogan with a can of spray paint. Hogan is down! Savage did something. He hit him with something. Sting covers Hulk. One, two, yes! And that's how Sting wins. So again, Sting doesn't really get to do it on his own yeah. yet again. And that's the WCW Did for anyone you. really do anything on their own in WCW at this point, though? I mean, even faces, heels, everyone was getting help. Well, if, to everyone, be fair, to if be everyone's fair. jumping off a bridge, Quinn, does yeah. that mean you should? I'm just saying, like, I just don't. Let's leave Sting alone out of this. Oh, I'm leaving Sting uh, in this, actually, okay. because he looked like crap. But in, <laughs> how about this? In March, it's WrestleMania 14, yeah. which uh, in the WWF's eyes and, and a lot of fans, was the official start of what we call the Attitude Era. Well, Even- it's the end of the pre-Attitude Attitude Era. <laughs> is that what you define yeah, it as? Yeah. All of 97 is pre-Attitude to you? Yeah. It's not okay. new generation. No, that's definitely not. Yeah. That's over by 97. The innocence is lost. Steve Austin defeats Shawn Michaels for the WWF world title. And uh, the only time I'll ever say good that Shawn Michaels lost because he couldn't walk anymore and Stone yeah. Cold was the way to go anyway. And he, he was the way was to go. Healthy, he should he have was lost still there. the way to go. He was yeah. always going over. Yeah. Mike Tyson notably counts the pinfall for right. Steve Austin. So that, that was, you know, a fun way to end the Mike Tyson run. Fitting way too, Quinn, to end the Shawn Michaels era, you know, punched by Mike Tyson, laying out with a T-shirt over his face. Very appropriate for a man that had refused a job numerous times. Hey, he jobbed here. He had to. He had yeah. no choice. What is he going to do? <laughs> but anyway, Shawn drops the ball, uh, according to Triple H. Triple Which H I, picks uh, up that ball, okay. and I want you to speak on this. This this whole thing always annoyed me as a kid when, now, when this happened. I was like, who the fuck is Triple H to say Shawn Michaels dropped? He's just the goober that, like, helps. Like, he's not, like, anything. Helps fight Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, like, who the <laughs> hell cares? Like, it, it bothered me that after he says this and, and he makes his own DX, I was just like, I was always like, even though they're more prominent, it's still, like, the minor league DX. Like, they're not... They were the mid-card DX. Yeah, they... 
It's Triple H. Come on. Yeah, that was the <laughs> night after Mania 14, but something great did happen. Right. I loved it as a kid, and I love watching it to this day when Sean Waltman, formerly known as Six, we talked about him last week mm-hmm. on Nitro, comes back and cuts an amazing, pretty much a shoot promo on can Eric I, Bischoff can I, can and Hulk say, Hogan. Hulk Hogan, you suck! Well, Hulk Hogan, you suck, pal! Love it. I love that yeah. he joins up with Triple H. Right, it's good. And the Outlaws join, which made perfect sense. Right. Like, the whole time, remember even when Sean was still there, the Outlaws were kind of like DX, like underlings, but they yeah. were never officially a part of DX. Right, right. So, well, now that DX is like kind of, they were broken after yeah. Sean got injured. And Rude was sense. gone. It was basically only China and Triple H. Yeah, they needed some reinforcements. Yeah. They would go on to turn face later in the year. Now, in April... Austin and McMahon start their feud proper. Right. And this leads on April 13th to Raw winning its first head-to-head with Nitro. Shocker. In, of course, 83 weeks. Yeah? Good. We'll elaborate fully on that later in the show. We have more to say on that in the show. Meanwhile, WCW, the NWO shit is finally starting to fracture. And soon we would have the Black and White, and the Wolf Pack. We're, we're getting there. So mm-hmm. finally, something different, at least, is happening with the NWO. Yeah, so obviously, I, I always thought this this is WCW um, kind of firing their shot back. Because, okay, yeah. WWF's like now kind of fully switched gears. So WCW's going to switch it up. And this wasn't a bad thing. I really no. I like the idea of the NWO feuding. And also, it helped give the WCW guys different shit to do. It did. I thought it was a, as a 13, 12, 13-year-old 13 kid, yeah. I had no problem with the Wolfpack. I thought they were cool. Yeah, they were really cool because it, what it was was it was an NWO that you could cheer for. Yeah. That that's, were, what it, that would, that's what it provided to me. They had the friendlier colors, you know, yeah. the red and black, and it was Nash. And actually, Sting was in the initial yeah, Wolfpack, he, and right? Lex Luger. And Savage until right. he, he went out of injury. And they had the click sign. They did the, right, the, yeah. the DX sign, but I guess yeah, it's called, yeah. right? It, it, was, it was just a, a fan-friendly New World odor. It was a fan-friendly odor. They had their own music. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't Conan in it, too, or something? Yeah, well, Ugh. so it also, to me... I don't like him. Well, Conan actually gave me gave a good thing to that because I felt like the idea behind it was is it was a little more hipper. Yeah, hip. And Conan... As opposed to Roddy Piper, artificial hip. Hulk Hogan was supposed to be old, and he leads the older school. Not supposed to be. I mean, he just was old. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, like Conan, at the time, his act was yeah. still fresh. He was so very fresh. He was very deaf. Right. So so the idea is, like, oh, you got the hip Conan. Yeah, it's very and, hip. And, and Sting, the now superstar of the 90s and well, all this Who calls shit. him that? That's what he was kind of what he was referred to. That was Shawn Michaels. That's a wrestler of the 90s. That's in WWF. Would you say Conan is all that in a bag of chips um he's definitely chip like <laughs> okay let's go to may in may ecw don't let's not sleep on them ecw is still going real strong yep, they in are 98. still pushing pushing the envelope being easy doing ecw things hell right? yeah man and and you know what they had wrestlepalooza which had years before for years been just one of their big arena shows mm-hmm. now it's wrestlepalooza 98 on pay-per-view right which was cool and uh among some of the matches here i just want to throw out some good ecw names for you Okay. Bam Bam Bigelow versus New Jack. Now, Bam Bam 
career revitalization in ECW. Yeah, really good. Um, so good, in fact, that it, he got the call from WCW, got a, one last run in WCW because of his work in ECW. I think that would happen in 99. Yeah, late and, 98, and 99. I know, WCW, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, is Bam Bam got a paycheck Hell to, yeah, to go did. retire off of, and that, that we should be happy about that. I was happy about yeah. that because Bam Bam Bigelow was always underutilized right. in WWF. I, I, he was actually prominent when at this point in the ECW definitely was prominent. Even when they brought him back to WCW at the at uh, the larger stage, I Feud think with they, Goldberg. Yeah, they gave him something. So the point is, is that Bam Bam did recover from the LT. Thing, oh yeah, and this is kind of this exemplifies that. Yep, and New Jack is uh, is is New Jack. I mean, that, yep. he's an ECW name. He's a mainstay. I don't like him. Hey, he he was but still, he's New Jack. He was still in his prime. In May of he was in ninety eight. He was still a main player. Two real main players here to match against each other: RVD versus Sabu, which is big, and they're great. They're yeah. Sabu is still good in ninety eight. Right, RVD is amazing. In they 98. become tag champs later. They do. Uh, and also, here's a great ECW prototypical match for you: mm-hmm. Dreamer and Sandman team up. That's to, weird to face the Dudleys. That's, that's got ECW written all over it. That's like reluctant tag partners. Yeah, Dreamer and the Sandman, they, they don't, don't like each other. each other ever since that Singapore Kane match. <laughs> right. And yes, sir, may I have another <laughs> in, in 1994. That did happen. Yeah. Uh, so ECW is doing great for what they are, and they've come a long way since forming in 92. And also in WCW, Chris Jericho's reign of terror in the cruiserweight division. Let's not say what happens to it before we say, holy shit, Chris Jericho yeah. up to this point in 19, 1998, he... Basically, it becomes this heel that throws tantrums. He's awesome. Yes, he is. So it's this is the best Jericho you'll ever get, in my opinion, in his entire career. I agree. He throws tantrums, but at the same time, he keeps somehow winning. Yeah, he like, keeps winning, and he has the cruiserweight title, and he's beating every cruiserweight, and he's acquiring all their like stuff, paraphernalia. Yeah, like Ray Mysterio's mask, hubcaps. I don't know what it yeah, is. But. Dean Malenko's pride. <laughs> but Dean, you claim that you were trained by the best. Don't you think you've shamed your father's memory enough? He wasn't a quitter like you. No, he's out of line, guys. So I'm kissing you and your career goodbye, Dean. Because like the song says, in a mbop, it's gone. Thank you! This, this was this is man. great, and so this leads to the Cyclope thing, which we've talked. At we've Nauseam talked at about. about the cruiserweight battle royal with, with the, all the introductions. <laughs> Johnny Swinger, Swanger, you yeah, know, this it. guy is a one out of ten chance, no Sil- chance. Silver King, a few more wins, he'll be upgraded to the Golden King, right? Yeah, you know all that stuff. Marty Jannetty, Rock Rock, till he drops, Rock Rock and never stop. Anyway, give me back my Lover Boy tape, <laughs> Lenny Lane. <laughs> right. So uh, Dean Malenko is dressed up in the Cyclope costume right. in disguise. Uh, Hoovy eliminates himself out of respect yep. to allow. Dean to get his re- revenge. And when that unmasking, and I know I've played the clip before, but you know what? I'm going to play that clip yet again right here of the unmasking. Zico play. What's he doing here? He's unmasking. He's unmasking. That's not Zico play. Look at that. Dean Malenko. He's back. The man of a thousand holes. The man that will face Jericho for the title right now. I love that genuine pop for it's, a mid-card angle. It's the best. It's one of the biggest pops in WCW the it entire time. It freaking is, yeah, right? It's, it's unbelievable. People are like, I don't think people saw this going there. They thought, oh, Jericho's just going to beat the Cyclope right. guy, and that's going to be at the end of that. I, I was really tricked, like, because I watched this at the time. So did I. I, I saw was, it live. I was like, whoa. Like, I didn't. Dean Malenko, where the fuck did he come from? It was really good. Never thought in a million years you'd be popping hard for Dean Malenko in that kind of context. Like as a wrestler, he was great, and And everyone knew that. Like he points to the sky for for Boris. Boris. So good on WCW, and really 
Make no bones about it, folks. 1998 was Chris Jericho's breakout year. Yep. And that is the reason WWF wanted him in 99. Yep. It is the reason he was... It's one of the reasons, I should say, because he's very talented. But it's one of the reasons that he was able to be where he is today is because of what he did yeah, in 98. And, and that, that May thing just only ended his first act because yes. that was the end of his cruiserweight run. But he would immediately get the television title yep. and kind of do the same thing all over again. And Ralphus would oh, appear God, yeah. and all I mean, that. He feuded with Goldberg? Yeah. He tried to feud with Goldberg. Well, that was funny. He called that Goldberg yeah. for a couple months. Yeah. He never actually fought him, right? I don't think so. I don't so. think he did. Yeah. But anyway, in June, folks, let's go back to the WWF here. The King of the Ring 98 happens. The holy shit. The tournament's okay, right? Yeah, but it, holy shit is right, Quinn, because <laughs> Mick Foley, Mankind, we talked about this in the 90s cage matches thing a few weeks ago, takes two of the most legendary bumps in wrestling history. Yep. The first one, he gets thrown off the top of the cell onto a table. That Okay, that's something that, as a 12-year-old kid, you think would be cool if wrestlers could really do that. And then it happens. And then it actually fucking happens yeah. in real life. Like, a real guy fell off a real thing. Yeah. And then they actually legit, it's not an angle, they stretcher him out. Right. The French doc, Vince himself breaks kayfabe. Yeah, they break, he's not even supposed to be involved in this angle. <laughs> yeah, like, like, Vince, owner Vince, not not Mr. Yeah. McMahon, but, like, the real owner of the company comes out to check on his guy. yeah. yeah. Foley gets the hell, and if you've never read Have a Nice Day, he tells the story great. I mean, he Foley, just knocked the fuck out. Yeah, he was flying only on adrenaline yeah. there, you know, climbs the cage again. So he immediately climbs the cage, and you think the match is going to just continue as normal. And then Taker does, which was a planned spot, to he choke slams him on top of the, the cell, and, you know, they just figured, oh, he'll just get choke slam on top of the yeah. cell, and that'll be it. But the cell fucking breaks. And he falls through. Oh. King and Jen, King goes, that's it, he's dead. JR's like, stop the damn yeah. match! Enough's like, enough! Now if, a, if he throws him off on the other side, there's... Oh! Good God! Good God! That's it, he's dead. Well, somebody stop the damn match! Enough's enough! So, Foley's down for a bit. And then Terry Funk comes out to kill some kill time. time yeah. And you know the rest. He, yeah. get, he gets up. The match continues. There's thumbtacks. Mick Foley thumbtacks coming out of the nose. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's it's amazing. Everyone, like, claps at the end. Like, yeah. it's unbelievable. Well, by God, if anybody ever deserved a standing ovation, whether you like him or you don't, that's your business. Steve Austin defended the world title against uh, a wrestler who was very hot in 1998. Well, no pun intended, very hot. I mean, he he was the hottest of wrestlers. You might say he was on fire. Yeah. Uh, Kane, now, this is a first blood match, the first first blood match WWF history anyway. Uh, Kane debuted his double sleeve attire for this to make it less (laughs) likely that he would get cut. And Austin loses just to win it back the next night. Right. Undertaker having disposed of Mick Foley right now has no more distractions right it's like okay give me back my belt that I lost in 97 7 yeah, yeah. so uh, Undertaker now is gunning for Austin and they're both face yeah but Kane is also in the mix so it does get a little interesting the cahoots 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 but I just want to remind you this again feeds into whole Joe's thing that I always love where he <laughs> he's like the Undertaker's only interested in the belt remember back in 97 he lost it because Sean hit him by with the chair so he had to go so, take care so of Sean he, he took care of Sean. He took care of mankind. And 
now he's ready and and while he was taking care of Sean, his brother debuted. Now right. he's got to fight his brother all of 98. Right, so exactly. Undertaker wanted the belt since 91. But and you can hear that theory. Remember, they, remember it, the thread. Never it, never forget. It's a real thread. Let's go to July, Quinn, because this was a big deal. This is one of the biggest deals of 1998 for the WCW. The undefeated U.S. champion. Right. Goldberg, who had debuted, as we mentioned last year, in September 97. And should we back up a second and just say that Goldberg had been um, tearing it up? He had defeated Raven in April for the U.S. title. And I've always said, Quinn, that WCW without Goldberg in 98 would have been much more screwed than they wound up being. That's Goldberg true. really buoyed them in 98. But they also had NWO black and white and red and red and black. That which was helped. That, that, I'm just saying the whole package was helpful. Yes. But Goldberg was a whole separate entity. Right. And this and it was, really helped them. The thing with Goldberg that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they might be coming to wrestling now and being like, I don't understand what it what it's all about with this Goldberg guy. Like right. he, he seems like this old bold guy that just beat up Brock Lesnar or something. I don't get it. <laughs> right like, where the sun is. When this happened, there was, it was like you know how they call the Undertaker the phenom? This yeah. was like a phenomenon. Right? Like, oh, it was. It was a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. what happened is is the way it was booked was that Goldberg would come out, he would beat somebody, and then the, that week they would say, now he's 105 Whatever. and... Yeah. Uh, no. And sometimes oh. they would add numbers so to it. So every week it was counting, yeah, tons of... So it became this easy thing to follow along. It's like, this week he's this and oh. Yeah. And the whole crowd got behind it, and the whole idea that he came from nothing, and you didn't know who the fuck yeah. this guy was, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that he was undefeated. So by the time we get to Hulk Hogan... They sold out the Georgia Dome within four days. Yeah, this took place in the Georgia Dome on uh, Monday Nitro, July of 1998. Uh, Nitro did beat Raw that day, rightfully so, <laughs> because Hulk Hogan, who was really like Hogan's 98, was so stupid. Like, yeah. He feuded with Savage. He was quieting down. He was because, quieting down. But it also had a lot to do with what was boiling with or simmering, I guess, to a boil with Goldberg for the whole year. Yeah, so... Hogan puts over Goldberg, and Goldberg wins the WCW world title on free television. This place only left when he picks him up. He's got him up! moment like an ascension like bill goldberg is now like right. the number one guy in wrestling so much for sting quinn yeah i mean honestly I, that's what they should have done with sting the problem was is that this was an unexpected thing you have to remember that too unfortunately for sting like yeah. no one foresaw when they were building sting. sting had a great build for a year you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, a long build. A long, great build. But Goldberg's was just as long. It was a year or two. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it, and its only logical conclusion was right. beating Hogan. Right. But just imagine if instead of Goldberg beating Hulk Hogan, if Bret Hart ran in and there yeah. was not a fast exactly. count. Exactly. Yeah. They did it right. They learned from their mistake. Yeah, they learned, apparently. And uh, Goldberg to not, was... The... To not interfere with it. <laughs> right, <laughs> to just let it fucking be. Uh, unfortunately, in August at Road Wild, Hogan's already back in the main event, except now he's fighting Jay Leno. How about the guy from the rap group, uh, Wu-Tang Clan? The guy's name, now this is the guy's name, don't write me a letter, the guy's name is Dirty Old Bastard. That's his name. The old Dirty Bastard. Mm-hmm. Do you hear what I just said? Well, okay. We talk- <laughs> he's fighting Jay Leno. We did talk about this, about celebrities and stuff. The match is stupid, but at the same time... You can't deny that it gave people it, mainstream presence, the whole nonsense. Yeah, you, but yeah. 
Yeah, what's the deal with these Ranger schooners? You seen these things? You know they cause so many accidents. Yeah. Pants are actually finding out safe and let the kids play with razor blades. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, it's Jay Leno. It's the guy that reads headlines, and he gave a uh, hey, he gave Hogan an arm bar or something, and they it was on the news. <laughs> and and like, Leonard, remember that yeah, was literally real. what it was. Ooh. That picture of him giving him like an arm ringer. <laughs> He's wearing like a crappy shirt. Yeah, Jay is. Well, because they're at Hog Wild, he has like a motorcycle shirt he on. Looks if stupid. Yeah. And remember, he like also does the hug pin yeah. to. Bischoff. And wasn't Jay Leno only going to be at Hogwild because he goes to Sturgis every year for his stupid cars and motorcycles that he... I don't know if it was like Sturgis offici- related. I know he's an officiato of that crap. An officiato. But whatever. You didn't even say it right either. Avocado. He's an avocado of that. Also in August... <laughs> you got me. Yeah. You're right. I, I fucked up. Yeah. Uh, it was SummerSlam 98, uh, infinitely better than Road Wild. Now Excuse I would say me. this is peak Russo. SummerSlam 98. Well, not... It's fantastic. You're the one that says this is like where it like peaks. Well, right? I, I will give credit to something that comes later in the year. Yeah. But what I've always said, and you can disagree with me, Quinn, or you folks, mm-hmm. is that after this, after SummerSlam, things become a, a little more muddied and convoluted. There is something really good in November. Right. That we'll talk about. Right. But that's also another thing that built from before yeah, SummerSlam. So. Exactly. So it just like pays off and then that's it. But yeah. this is to me. And again, maybe it's because I was turning 13 when the SummerSlam you happened. Loved, and th- this is like a time for you where oh, you just God. think back to this SummerSlam. And this is like, oh, this man, is because I was uh, in and out of the beach a real lot. I had a friend then when we went down to his parents beach house for a few days. Ryan, you know, him. Yeah. I just remember the build on the highway to hell music. And it was going to be Austin and Taker and Triple H versus Rock. Everyone was excited. And everyone was over during yeah. 98. This I, is peak Russo. I, I remember all of it. And I remember it just being a glorious time. You were at school. Yeah. And the biggest matches were going to happen. Right. And, and Stone Cold is going to fight The Undertaker. And that was like a big deal. And meanwhile, like in regular life, South Park is really funny. Yeah. There's all this pop culture. The stuff Yankees on. are good. The home yeah. run chase. Like yeah. there was some music. There's a lot of good music out. Yeah, I, I would say everything's firing on all cylinders. I know that it sort of connects to WF, but the Howard Stern show is yeah, at its all time. Right. Like, it's like that kind of like, we're in peak 90s in general. It's like so every, 90s, Everything man. that we have talked about this whole time has come to this peak point where it's maybe not the best thing, but it's just right. everything the right place at the right yeah. time. Yeah. We just come off the Goldberg thing. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's just been, what a summer, right? Exactly. Yeah. What is what a way to cap off the summer right. ninety eight. One of my favorite years, and maybe it's because of the age I was or whatever. But it's just a great time. Quinn, in September though, something uh, something cool happened. Right. The Rock kind of begins an unofficial, unexpected face run. The nation kind of fizzles out. Right. And the, I don't think there's a formal breakup. Right. It's just they no, kind of really. It's like D'Lo goes his separate ways with Mark Henry, and they goof around. And yeah. Godfather becomes Godfather. His pimping just isn't easy at all. And he has to bring the ladies out every week to show how hard it is. It is hard. But that, by the way, speaking of just, can we applaud Kama for taking like a... Finally! Yeah, finally, like, he found the gimmick. This was Papa Shango, folks. And now he is getting, like, his... If you go back, a lot of people tend to forget this, but if you go back to 98, one of the biggest pops... Every single week is the Godfather coming out with the hoes and giving the speech. It's like, we're pimping hoes nationwide. He's like fucking over his shit. Yeah, I I applaud Kama. Like, he he made it. But back to The Rock. 
Holy Rock, shit, man. All of a sudden, there was this period where he, it was in between, right? It was like the nation had disbanded like organically after SummerSlam, after right. The Rock lost. Lost to Triple right. H. And the, and the, the Rock, crowd was getting into him. Right. And The Rock was kind of like still doing his Rock stuff, but now he was more just on his own and people were like, this is cool. Yeah. And, but it was just nice. Like, man, this guy's really, he's going to break out. You yeah. know, people really like him now. It was yeah. really cool. The Rock's music would hit. He would give a promo every week. And yep. he was just th- this thing. Two jabronis in particular who don't know their damn role just happen to be Kane and The Undertaker. In October, Hogan Warrior 2, Electric uh, Horribleness. Yeah, it's just terrible. Halloween Havoc, that's the flash paper mustache match. <laughs> now, it, uh, again, I will say, it's Halloween Havoc. <laughs> yes, but it's a very poor usage of, of the course, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. I, it, oh. it, it caps off, it's the end of that three or four week run of the Ultimate Warrior. Like, <laughs> yeah, really. Like, it, it's goofy and dumb and stupid and whatever. And we talked about it uh, recently on our uh, Mount Rushmore Death Valley Extra of yeah. Ultimate Warrior matches. Would you matches. say it's the anti-98 match? It's just really <laughs> <laughs> if we look at all the stuff happening in 1980, it's the weirdest thing of all the things. It really like, is. It's so out of place. Yeah. And it, there's like magic and stuff in it. It doesn't make any sense. It's really fucking stupid. Horse has come in the ring. Horse! Oh! Hit the warrior in the back of the head! Why? I'm Horace Hogan. In November, Quinn, I know it's one of your favorite moments. You would probably define this as Pete Russo. And I wouldn't yeah. hold too much of an argument with you, but this is the Deadly Games, his real last crowning achievement from a writing standpoint. It's every story thread of the entire year of 1998 coming to a head. And it's, it is. it's a masterpiece. The world title tournament for the vacant WWF yeah. title. Every single tournament match has some thread or story that has gone on. Al Snow, for example, Big Boss Man. Um, and Steve Austin. Steve, well, Steve Austin, more importantly, is the main draw. And Mankind and The Rock, who's yes. uh, who's still in this weird, like, I'm a face sort of. That, yeah. And it has, like, the guy with the smell with The Rock's cooking apron right, on. Oh, yeah, yeah right, right. In yeah. the crowd <laughs> that I always note. Um, Basically, the whole premise is this, to, to sum it up, to, to put Deadly Games in a nutshell. It looks like the tournament is being engineered to help Mick Foley. Right, and because Mick Foley is the only logical person Vince can put the belt on to, that's not Stone Cold. Correct. Because he doesn't want, no matter what, he doesn't want Stone Cold. Right. So you have, like, the boss man in there to kind of, like, get rid of Austin. That's the kind boss of the man plan. even got eliminated at some point, and he was allowed to re-enter yes. the tournament because they had beat up some guy, and Vince is just like, well, whatever, because he's your stooge. So. Right. But what winds up happening... Foley, who has been trying to suck up to Vince and get him to love him and the Socko thing had happened. He wants him to be his uncle or dad or something. Yeah, he's like trying to treat him like a father figure. Also, Mick Foley starts the tournament in a full suit. Yeah, gradually wears less and less socks by the end of the tournament. So it winds up being Mick Foley against The Rock. But the thing is, is until you really look back, The Rock had an even easier road to the finals. Yeah, because some there's chicanery. Both times, I think at least one or two times, the boss man's weird like chasing after (laughs) Austin. The whole thing affects The Rock somehow. Exactly, but it's subtle. Yeah, it's subtle. So The Rock and Mankind wind up in the finals now technically the rock and mankind are both undefined but they're both kind of face right but mankind is sucking up to vince but he's a sympathetic character right the rock is you just, know you know mankind's being taken advantage of right. right and the rock is just the rock right he and you know the rock is like he's just only out for himself he doesn't he, care but he, but he has no connection to vince right. mcmahon allegedly and this is the only time ever that a parody 
that a send-up of the Montreal Screwjob worked. This is right. the only time it would ever matter. And it w- it's the only time they'd ever, w- WWF themselves would really do right. it ever again. WCW did it a few yeah. times and it was horrible. Yeah. yeah, no shit. The Rock puts Mankind in the sharpshooter. One full year since this happened at Survivor Series 97. You know, I wish I could teach The Rock how to put the sharpshooter yeah. on and really do it now, right. If you, I must say, before you tell the finish, The Rock would, after that, keep the sharpshooter <laughs> yes. in his repertoire <laughs> for his whole career because he knows, you'll see what happens right here. It means something to him. And I also want to mention before we get to the finish that in one of the SmackDown versus Raw games or one of those, yeah. there was a special move. Like there was the sharpshooter and there was the rock sharpshooter because of how shitty he put it on. <laughs> I am not making that up. There is a separate move. That's weird. The rock sharpshooter. The tall standing one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it's like shitty. <laughs> yeah. So the rock puts Mankind on the sharpshooter. Vince McMahon says ring the bell. Vince screws Mankind. The rock the next night on Raw christens himself the corporate champion. Yep, because before he called himself the people's champion when he was intercontinental title. So champion. holy shit. Yeah. Boston now is not the world champion. We have this now, new guy. He got guy. chased out of the arena. Or yeah. He went after Boss Man, right? That was what yes, happened. Yes, Boss Man. So Austin will go on to feud with Undertaker a little bit and, and The Rock and Austin will meet up. So don't worry about them. We'll talk about them next year. But great job on Deadly Games. Yeah. Very creative twist because it was the first time we had seen it. Right. And what a way to elevate The Rock. Now he's the world champion. It was crazy. This guy that just lost at SummerSlam. It was a a shocker, the ending. It Um, really was. And that's why The Rock keeps the sharpshooter around. See, there you go. He won his first WWF title with the sharpshooter. Absolutely. You know, he doesn't know how to apply it, but it's all right. You know, I I like Rocky. I think he's all right. In December, second annual WCW fucking up Starcade because a lot of people, myself included, agree not only the way... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Goldberg loses to Kevin Nash. It wasn't even that it was Kevin Nash. It was when. Right. A lot of people believe that they had a little more life left in Goldberg than only a five-month mid-card title run like he had had. Yeah. Now, I will say I felt Goldberg's title run personally. Looking back, Yeah. I felt it should have been ended earlier, and I'll tell you why. Earlier? Because the chase was Goldberg's appeal. When he was the champion, I was a little bored. I don't disagree, but that's mainly because... I don't agree with how they took the title off yeah. them. It's not... It's To me, it's not the taking the title. It's how they took the title. I agree with you there. Yeah. I, wh- whether it should have ended earlier or later, it was the way they did it. That right. was it. Goldberg was never, ever the same again. No. He never was. He they, never and mattered. they didn't even try to do like a good chase angle, which would have made sense with how Goldberg's character is. Right. Like, that's what was shitty about it. I know. We know, as we know, it's the taser, Cattle prod, which leads yep. to Kevin Nash winning, which leads to something for next year. For something for next year. Right? So thanks again, WCW, for a shitty Starcade finish. There's been a few more clueless idiots in the wrestling business than Eric Bischoff. Quinn, uh, it wasn't all good. Here's a quick hits of a few things in 1998 that weren't good, yep. lest you folks think that we looked through 1998 with rose-colored glasses and that everything was wonderful. No, here's a few things. The Brawl for All. Horrible. Choppy choppy pee pee. I like this. It's hilarious, Joe. It, it's funny. It's but... really, it's one of the funnier things that Vince Russo did. It's so insane that it, like, you look back on it and you're like, did they really do that? Like, 
The IC belt is redesigned to be absolutely oh, awful absolutely for like 12 years. Ugly as hell. <laughs> it's really so bad. So bad that they didn't even try another redesign after it's they got rid of this. They one. just went back to the one before this. And it's still that belt it's to this day. It's still that one because it was so awful. Uh, Chucky cuts a promo on Rick Steiner. Oh, yeah. that Was that part of Halloween Havoc? Yes. Yeah. Thank God for Halloween Havoc, right? Uh, what about Dan Sever and Jim Cornette and a million belts? That was great. <laughs> Yeah, just Jim Cornette running around. Yes. That was so weird and dumb. What about Jeff Jarrett uh, becoming a country music superstar again we'll with Tennessee get to Lee? Him later. <laughs> Fucking. Ugh. How about the WWF's NWA invasion? That was very weird too, and we'll get to that later. Also, what, what about the DOA and Los Barrick was still being around? That's very weird, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> what about when Hawk fell off the Titan Tron? <laughs> <laughs> That's just. But I. Not I, excusable. You know it's sad that that was actually real life the way he was. But yeah. That it's it's. But it was funny how they like <laughs> made like a storyline out of it. I guess it, it, it's a little funny. Yeah. So folks, that is 1998 <laughs> in a nutshell. Yes, it's a supersized nutshell. It's a bigger nut, if you will. Uh, but when we come back, Quinn. We will have a Rushmore in Death Valley. Uh, it'll be a little uh, a, a dungeon. There'll be a dungeon up yeah. right? And some doom. Something. Something. Something'll yeah. be happening. So uh, stay tuned. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. America Online introduces new version 4.0. There has never been a better time to get online. The easiest just got easier. Instant messages. I can customize my email. My niece sent me a picture. If you have a phone line, you can be online. It's the easiest way to keep up with old friends. Everyone I know is on it. We've spent over $1 billion to create a state-of-the-art high-speed network, and with 56K, connections are faster than ever. It's the ultimate local guide. New 4.0, check it out. It's my connection to the world. America Online, so easy to use, no wonder it's number one. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here for episode number 98. It is Monday, September 10th, 2018. Quinn, before we get to the Rushmore business here, we always like to mention our Patreon. We do make it available for people to donate if they want to. We have a Patreon. Yeah, over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Uh, we have three tiers. Three tiers, that's and, right. And uh, they are very fun. We have a $1, a $2, and a $3. I'll run them down for you real quick. For $1, you get to see the making of in video form every single episode. I mean, you can see me talking right now in video form. I have a shirt on that says Fender. Yeah, I have a shirt on. <laughs> in general. We, we're both wearing shirts. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great time because sometimes there's things that hit the cutting room floor, you know, some topics that we might mention, you know, in a rush more or something like that. Little lines here and there. Or if we mess up, which we never mess up. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, bloopers, little behind-the-scenes talk. It's $1. You get it every single week. Now, if you add a buck, that's only two bucks. Two dollars. A up. month. Is that less than a cup of coffee nowadays? It is. It? Yes. Yeah, pretty okay. much. It still is. A worthwhile cup yeah. of coffee anyway. For two dollars, you get the Raw on Mondays. You also get every other Friday, Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. And that is where each week, Quinn and I dive deep into the suggestion list. And we pull out one of your suggestions. It's the weird, wild, wacky stuff from Rushmore and Death Valley. It is about an hour or so. Mm -hmm. It's a full extra podcast every other Friday on your own private feed that you can plug in your podcatcher. So more on that in a second. And then if you add one more buck. Now, Quinn, three buck? Not a lot of buck. Not a lot of buck. And you get the whole kit and caboodle if you add the extra buck. So wait, you don't just get the kit? Yeah. You get the caboodle you also? Get 
Oh, yeah. whoa, that's pretty yeah. good. So basically, the cat in the cradle, you get it all. <laughs> and the silver spoon? Yeah. So, <laughs> in alternating with the Rushmore and Death Valley Extra, on the other Fridays, you get Quinn and I watching, watching, live watching. This is a video. 1982 WWF. We are trudging through it. We're trooping through it here. On our way to 1983, you get to see us make fun of Tony Gurria and Blackjack Mulligan. And, Basically uh, a bunch of idiots because nobody good is there yet. Not really. Not, yeah. not a lot of star power yeah. yet. So that's uh, that's every other Friday alternating with the Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. It is patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And again, that's if you want to donate, we're going to give back to you. We appreciate you just for listening, just for hearing this promo. We're thankful that you're listening. But Quinn, normally we have been doing since episode number 21, Rushmore and Death Valley, which is where we put four of the best of something on the Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Four of the worst go down in the desert of Death Valley. It's uh-huh. been a thing for mm-hmm. now. A lot of our a lot of our fans know about it. They love it. We want to apologize on one hand, because due to the nature of our review, it's a long review. We are giving you, all of you listening right now, a free copy i guess sample free preview like it's a pay-per-view back in right. the day back yeah. in the 90s it's like the hbo free weekend over here <laughs> we're giving you rushmore and death valley extra dungeon of doom members so this is for everyone so for you patrons out there that have already heard this i do apologize that you're not getting new content however you can just gladly skip past this and go and right to get, the review you're, you're gonna get content this <laughs> yeah, weekend you're anyway, gonna get so. content on friday yeah so we apologize but we didn't want to shortchange our our non-patrons Wanted to make sure that you still had something to look forward to. Yeah. So this is Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. It's from a few weeks back. Without further ado, as they say. Without further ado, here is Rushmore and Death Valley Extra, Dungeon of Doom members. We'll be back after that. And Quinn, this was my uh, pick here, and it is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra of... Dungeon of Doom members. <laughs> oh my goodness Eat gracious. shit, my son. Eat shit, my son. So the Dungeon of Doom, Michael, uh, I guess a little backstory. It's warranted, don't you think? Well, it has a deep backstory. It does. In 1994, all right, we're going all the way back to 1994 in WCW. Kevin Sullivan was inexplicably a face for a little while. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he was hanging out with his fake brother, Evad. Right, Evad, all Dave, that. Yeah. Right? And Dave thought he was Hulk Hogan or wanted to be Hulk Hogan he or something. He looked a lot like um, Randy Hogan or the other guy that looks like Hogan, sort of, but not really. On Roddy, the Hogan. Roddy Hogan. Roddy <laughs> yeah. Hogan. One of those fake Hogan guys, right? Yeah. He, he dressed up like he was a horrible wrestler. And Kevin <laughs> turned on Dave in 1994 and decided that he was going to align himself with two gentlemen. Those gentlemen being a former Hogan crony. Brother Brudai, who butchered their friendship uh-huh. and then became the butcher. And basically, as we've talked about, that is uh, Ed Leslie with sunglasses. Yes, it's it's a cooler version, I guess. <laughs> yeah, cool dad what, version. What do you think of the butcher? Is he, is he the best version of Brutus Beefcake? No, or, or Brutus, Brutus Beefcake is the best version of Brutus Beefcake. 1990 Brutus Beefcake is the best that that okay. guy ever got. Strutting and cutting. Lots of strutting, lots of cutting. Not yeah. butching. No, no butching. That's Richard Land's job. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so we had the butcher, and they were joined by not an earthquake, Quinn, because that would be copyrighted by right. WWF. Yeah. You can't. You can't. No earthquakes cannot be no. anywhere else but the World Wrestling Federation. That's right. No, but they do have avalanches in WCW. Oh, really? That would be John Tenta's gimmick for a little while. Now, does that mean there's no avalanches in WWF? I never saw one. Did you? Are they allowed there? I mean, I don't know if they are. Actually, the commissioner has to control that. <laughs> the commissioner, I guess. Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. So 
Kevin Sullivan in late 94, uh, the Butcher and the Avalanche teamed up and called themselves the Three Faces of Fear. Not to be confused with the other faces of the fear later. later. Team. Okay, yeah. yeah. Now, these guys, their main problem, Quinn, is that they didn't like Hulk Hogan. Well, I don't either. So <laughs> put me in the faces of fear. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. But uh, in 1995, that stable kind of dissipated. Uh, mm-hmm. Ed Leslie turned face kind of as the man with no name, and then he became the Zodiac, which we'll get to. And Kevin Sullivan uh, ran into a man named The Master. Now, by running into him, what, were, was he his son? Like, what, what <laughs> was know. the connection? I like, think what it was is The Master appeared, and The Master would be the big fat Curtis Ikea. Right. The eat shit my son yeah, guy. that's the actual eat shit my son yes. that we keep referring to. The Master. I, if this had drops in it, it would definitely be there, but it doesn't. It doesn't, so, sorry. But uh, you, you go back to episode, I don't know, it's A like long 28 ago. or, I don't remember the number. But, Someone probably will. Yeah. And The Master basically told Kevin Sullivan, you're the taskmaster, my son. Right. And Kevin Sullivan became the taskmaster. And basically, they, they made this alliance called the Dungeon of Doom with a lot of interesting characters, Quinn. Yeah, it's basically everyone that ever fought Hulk Hogan on Saturday <laughs> Night's Main Event or whatever, and then disappeared. And the thing about the Dungeon of Doom is it's very bad. It's notably yeah. bad and yeah. campy and it's stupid. It's horrible. It's horrible. And it goes on way too long, Two like to like 1996 or something. <laughs> Seven! Yeah, nine, wait, 97. I'm not making Are that up. Are those just remnants? Yeah, it's remnants. They were like okay. well past the Hogan feud, obviously, because right, Hogan was yeah. in the NWO. But this thing dragged on for so long. Some people love it for its horribleness. I don't like it, but it is amusing, I guess. It is very amusing. It's and amusing. Actually, now that you say it lasted into like 97, that's kind of amazing that it, it like is. existed side by side with a heel <laughs> NWO Hulk Hogan. Yes. Which their if their entire point was to like fight Hulk Hogan, like yeah. then they kind of won in the end, but <laughs> he turned evil. So. Yeah, that's true. Right. They did win. Yeah. They were the guys that got Hogan, they shaved his mustache in late ninety five. Right. And then he started wearing black. See? They yeah. planted the seeds there. So maybe the master really had this figured right. out all along. But Quinn, the thing that I found funny about this is that it's gonna be very hard to pick four really good ones out of this roster which I'm, I know we'll get oh, into as we go. it's going to be um, impossible for the Rushmore. I mean, Death yeah. Valley oh Death Valley is going to be like five seconds yeah. long but like this Rushmore, well, Woo! Death Valley might be long too because there's so much horrible. Narrowing down the horrible, oh, right? Oh man, okay. But, Quinn, I had the pick. Take the stick. Give me, who do you think's the best version well, member? Just, just looking at the list of horrible people here, I mean, the one that sticks out to me the most is Vader. Yeah, like, Vader was Vader, briefly in it. It was in it, and he, I mean, other than a couple others, like, he's really the guy that is probably the best thing in this whole roster of idiots. Now, are we are we judging them based on their wrestling ability or their ability to function as a Dungeon of Doom member and carry out their dungeoning duties? Well, if we're doing that, okay. Because Vader would fail. Let, let's, um, let's make a decision. Do we want what do you how do you feel about making about dungeoning duties or do you feel that it should be about about, uh, you know, actually being a good wrestler that people like you want to you want to take a holistic overview? We'll just mash the two together like we usually do. OK, I think the problem with Vader is while he's one of the best wrestler, maybe the best wrestler in it in 1995. Man, there's a couple of there's a couple but, of good ones. Yeah. Right. The problem with Vader is that like Sullivan like had problems with him and Vader turned on them so he didn't really do his dungeon duties too well okay so it kind of cancels out his like Rushmore-ness but it probably <laughs> won't put him in Death Valley because he's fucking Vader right exactly and he's like the best person on this list exactly and another good one I would think of that actually 
tried to do his dungeoning duties pretty well yeah. and was a good wrestler in 95-96 is The Giant. Yeah, The Giant was... To me, he was the the face. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, the Taskmaster, obviously. Yeah, but he but stunk. The, he was like the main guy. He gave them like credibility when he like, joined, right? Oh, wait, there's somebody good? <laughs> yeah. Like that's new and interesting? He won the title. Yeah, he he did it for them. He beat Hulk Hogan. He did. And he mm. was Andre's son, too. <laughs> In the Dungeon of Doom, He's he was Andre's son. son. Yeah, because of the wizard, right? I don't, the wizard. The wi- I mean, the master made him like the Andre's son. No, he didn't make him his son. He, oh, he said he found Andre's son. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because obviously, if if Andre was alive, I <laughs> bet you he would have been in this. Wouldn't that be amazing if I, they like, I dragged gu- him out? Yeah, I guarantee. Imagine oh, this is my son, <laughs> and, like, and then the giant comes out because he's like on the crutches or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the SummerSlam '91 crutches. Yeah, with the bushwhackers <laughs> and all that. So the giant definitely has some contendership because he won the title. He like he helped. Right. He yeah. tried. Like because you got to think of these the dungeon as basically bad cartoon villains from like the '80s. They're like Cobra yeah, from GI Joe, but much worse. Right. But in this case, you have one that's actually. A effective right. and good and had a career that still exists where he dances around in diapers and, and cries and cries and he's friends with a mayor yeah and like all this it's a fun time yeah so what do you think of the giant is he is he an automatic one or is there someone that might take his place um i would say uh lex luger was yeah. definitely he was in there for a while um yep. and, and he was in there like by association with Jimmy Hart yeah, or something. So, so with Luger, it's like, this is, I love this version of Luger, actually. This is actually one of the most interesting yes. storylines like in the whole thing. It is, because Luger came in as we uh, will be talking about on Monday. We're going to do the first Nitro. Okay, spoilers okay. for you Patreons out there. Okay. Patreons. Patreons. But we're, doing, we're doing the first Nitro on Monday for 1995, and Luger was kind of a tweener the entire time, but he, he wasn't a heel. Right. He was kind of nice. Yeah, like but, he agreed to help Hogan and stuff. Right. Well, no, well, but he sort of. He did, but he also wanted the title. Right. But later on, like when Jimmy Hart was in the Dungeon of Doom and he turned on Hogan, Luger was like, "Well, he's my manager, so yeah. like I'm gonna go with him." Jimmy Hart convinced him to like stay with that. So Luger it, was like only friends with Sting, but you know he was what I a like heel. About Luger in this, he's the only person that has integrity in the yes. whole thing. It's like this is his manager. He backs him up, right? And, like, he's going to be like, I'm going to follow him, right? But I'm still friends with Sting, too, yes. so I'm going to be friends with him also. He was. Like, he stayed friends with Sting the whole time. Right, yeah, like, it was great. <laughs> Even though he was fighting Hulk Hogan. Right. But Luger, yeah, I mean, Luger was a good coup. I'd say that's a coup. Yeah, that's like an actual former world champion <laughs> yeah. at that point. And, like a, and legitim- a narcissist. A legit- former narcissist? Yeah. Former uh, world champion. He had high credentials. He had high. They were very high. Yeah. So Luger's up there. Is there anyone? I mean, what about Sullivan himself? Kevin now, Sullivan. Here's the thing is, I, yeah. I think we were talking pre-show. I think, honestly, the Taskmaster, whatever you think of him is probably, he's of this faction he has to be number one right because it's the only faction i've ever heard of where the leader is never around or does anything but he's still kind of there but like the taskmaster is like literally a taskmaster he's doing the things the master is telling him to do it's like in baseball you have the general manager Right, but they don't sit in the dugout. You right. know, you leave he's, that to the field he's manager. The real manager, the yeah. taskmaster. He like he won. He won the pennant for them. Right, you know? and he would also wrestle. He wrestled, yeah. yeah, and he had face paint. 
Right. You got to give Sullivan he credit. Horn face he had paint. horns. Yeah. yeah. He had a horn face. He was paint. evil. He was the, you know what? He was, though. He was the perfect guy to lead this thing. He was because like, he's so stupid and short and dumb yeah, looking with let's the voice. Be real. Like, yeah. And you know what? From, from a KFOB point of view, Sullivan had a hard job. Uh, the taskmaster, excuse me, had a hard job because you got this absentee leader, the master, who was at his beck and call, right? Right. He and lives in a cave. Yeah. And wears something. a robe and yeah. everything. And he's got to listen to this asshole and being right. told to eat shit all the time. Right. Exactly. And he ate that shit, Quinn. And he, he did it. He, he did whatever he needed to do. He dressed like a lady. Yep. He attacked Hulk Hogan, shaved his mustache he even like got in a tussle with chris benoit later on he did right like like a personal thing fought him in the bathroom yeah (laughs) like and he still had his dungeon he was just like well i got business to take care of right he never gave up on the dungeon he cared about that dungeon quinn right he really tried to like do his best with what he had to work with he he made a a lemonade out of lemons he did he made chicken salad out of chicken shit believe it or not so yeah I mean, not that it was good chicken salad, but... No, it was poor. It was poor, It tasted pretty shitty. Yeah. But I'd say he should be number one. What do you think? Let's do it. Number one. Number one, the Taskmaster. All right. What else are you thinking there, Michael? Well, Is is Giant going to make it? I think he should. I don't know. I got another one, because I always thought he was pretty damn effective. What's that? And he, he was very loyal to Ming. Mang, yeah, Mang. He he was. <laughs> That's Haku, of course, yeah. folks. And Mang kind of just did his business. They just kind of were like, "You want to come along?" And he was like, "Okay." Yeah, and then like, he okay. just never talked again. Like, <laughs> he and was... just beat the shit out of people. By the end, he started growing an afro. That's true. Yeah, He's silent but deadly, like a fart. Yeah, is that Mang? And uh, you know what was cool about him is he he was so loyal to the whole concept right. that him and Barbarian kind of like carried on the legacy they were the long-lasting members <laughs> the faces of fear they were they're like you know what we're not in the dungeon anymore we left the dungeon but we are keeping this mentality right and they kept jimmy hart <laughs> yes. too like evil jimmy yep. like like even after he had nothing right. anymore like near the end because if you and once the nwo came around like dungeon of doom was done they like, were done they were garbage yeah. but like faces of fear carried on the legacy they and they they were around to like what wcw went out of business or pretty something? much Yes. <laughs> and they were fun, too. Yeah. Now, well, you know what? You mentioned Jimmy Hart. What about Jimmy Hart himself? I, I mean, think, yeah, I think Jimmy Hart definitely had some um, say here because he he was, to me, like the second chapter of the yes. story. When he turned on Hogan and had that written into Hogan's contract that Hogan could lose the title by DQ and that thus Giant won it, this was a beautiful master plan for this dungeon because now not only do they have the Taskmaster, but he has like a lieutenant to work with, Jimmy Hart, right? who had the inside info on Hulk Hogan. It's weird that the guy who's the second in command has a lieutenant, but that's exactly that's the way what, it is. Yeah. This is like the military. Yeah. This is a dungeonous military. There's, there's three people in the hierarchy yeah uh the master the taskmaster and jimmy hart right and they all knew their role yeah and they shut their mouth and they shut their well, mouth not really jimmy only hart, the master did but jimmy hart was instrumental in getting them that world title and giving them the inside of uh, you know uh, intel on hulk hogan he was actually the only successful manager if he, if all three of these guys were technically managers jimmy hart was an actual real successful manager he actually was yeah, yeah. so he contributed i, think I would he, say i think he belongs in there. i think what about the barbarian because oh, we Barbarian also was good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Barbarian's good. I mean, he he came along in the '96 era where it was starting to phase out of the Hogan feud. Okay. So he was good though. He was a solid member. Him and Meng, great team. Mm-hmm. Love love that team. But I would say, if we're going to be fair, I think either Jimmy Hart or the Giant should go in next. I mean, they brought them great success. 
I would say just for being the headliner, um, definitely the giant. Okay. Like, without question. I can live with that because yeah. the giant was their, he was like their crown jewel. He was the only one who actually became a star out of yeah. this. Like, <laughs> he's the only one that it looked okay. And he didn't have like a stupid gimmick or anything. He What's was just weird the is giant. He turned on the Dungeon of Doom to go to the New World Odor, if you recall, like in the like first couple weeks. You know what? That's funny, Quinn, because yeah, he was still managed by Jimmy Hart that entire time up to Hog Wild when yeah. he lost the title to Hogan. Right. Which was funny because the crowd was cheering Hogan because it was a bunch of redneck bikers and Sturgis. Right. But right. even though, like, technically the dungeon was the face, like, Giant was technically faced for that. Well, it, like, it had reversed or but, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but then anyway, in September of 96, Giant turns his back on the dungeon and that was a big loss for them. They were never the same and that. was that. it. Like, and that just proved the importance of the Giant, right? And by the way, wasn't that a weird time when the NWO was just, like, they just emerged out of nowhere and all of a sudden like even the evil factions like the four horsemen and the dungeon of doom they were all faces yes like it was, by default yeah, right like literally anybody that wasn't nwo was face bobby heenan yeah it was weird like yeah. he was actually like a face like after even that. like goobers that were on like saturday night like big jobbers like yeah like all of a sudden people are rooting barry darso on or whatever yeah. to beat the nwo like you know what i mean like I hole in one or whatever yeah, hole in one darso yeah so i'd say uh giants a very deserving number two Right. Let's do it. For number two, The Giant. Now, should we talk about The Master? I mean, like, is he good? No. Like, this is all his fault, Okay, Quinn. so let's leave him till later. He never wrestled. Yeah. He never did anything. Yeah. He sucks. He sucks. This is all his fault. We wouldn't even have to do this if it weren't for him. That's true. So I don't think he belongs anywhere near the Rushmore. Now, for people um, that may have questions... Um, yes. They might ask us, like, um, why didn't you talk about this? Because I, I don't think it will get talked about unless I bring it up. Yeah. The alliance to end all Hulkamania right, is right. like inclusion. Like, are they Rushmore? Are they Death Valley? Are they nothing? Do they not count? Like, what is the rules? I would say what it is with the alliance is that you take the horsemen, uh -huh. they don't count. And that includes the girls, too, right? Yes. Uh, what's her name? Woman and Elizabeth. Right. Now, I would count for either of these, but probably the Death Valley. Z, Z Gangsta, okay. excuse me, the ultimate solution, because those were drafted into the Dungeon of Doom as part of the Alliance. Okay, so just that's just to like, that's more like, they're definitely not making Rushmore. However, However. we just need to like, yeah. say... Before we go any further, right. like, that's the alliance. Yes. Cool. Like, okay. Flair and the Horsemen, they didn't join the Dungeon of Doom. They just teamed up with them Yeah, because some people might go up to you and be like, well, Ric Flair would definitely be the yeah. best person in the Dungeon of Doom, obviously. They just worked side by side with yeah. the Dungeon, and right. they called that whole thing under the alliance umbrella. Right. But okay. they weren't in the Dungeon. Flair the would never... Of, the opposite of heat or whatever. Yeah, is. the yeah. opposite of heat. So I would say number three is Jimmy Hart. I think he's very instrumental in helping this thing. Well, um, I uh -oh. got to bring up one more. Okay. Because I think he was good and I like him. Um, Big Bubba. <laughs> Big Bubba. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I like Big Bubba. Big I, fan of Ray Trailer. Yeah, would Big Big Bubba wouldn't be Death Valley, right? Like No, he he, he was a he was a solid uh, member associate of them, <laughs> I, I would say. I guess he like, did his job. He was <laughs> He was just there to, like, help or something, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he, like, left them at the end of 96. Like, he was just there to help for a while. He was an assistant, and then he went to NWO. And then he mm -hmm. went to NWO, and then he went to Ray Trailer, and then yeah. he went to WWF. And where he was better. Yeah, he was <laughs> infinitely better there. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I mean, a solid honorable mention, but I think it's Jimmy Hart, Quinn. Yeah, definitely Jimmy Hart. Because he was their good manager. Like, okay. He, was, he, he tried. Right, he did 
he did try. And it was much better, for the record, seeing Jimmy Hart as a heel again. Okay. Yeah, right? I, I agree. I agree. He was insufferable was as Hogan's most, manager. That was the <laughs> most... Like, I was happy when he turned. Yeah, right. Because I was like, enough of this long, t- long time <laughs> manager bullshit. Yeah, baby. It's like, he's a fucking heel. And yeah. like, it was actually like exciting when it yeah. Do you remember that? Like, uh, it, yes. It was kind of like, oh, this is neat. Yeah, like, it was. You know? It was nice. Like, oh, good. Jimmy Hart's a heel again. Finally, right, right. this makes sense. Because he was terrible as a face. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so for number three, Jimmy Hart. Yeah, Jimmy Hart. Here he is. Uh, Lex Luger. So Lex Luger, eh? What I I think that he's like probably one of the best here. Yeah, I mean either him or Meng, but I think Luger was more important. You well, know what's a weird one that I totally forgot that she was in it? Uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Yeah. Sable. Only because <laughs> Sable. Only because of Sullivan, right? Right. Yeah. That was like the dying days of the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. A lot of, actually, a lot of we, that wasn't even bad. Like I, Jacqueline I was good in WWE before they like ruined her in WWF. Yeah, because they feuded her with Sable. Yeah. Wow. We took like that. Actually, like is a blast from the past. I didn't even realize very briefly. Until I was thinking about it. Yep. But yeah. In '97 only. Uh, I don't know, Quinn. I think it's got to be Luger though. Don't Luger, you? Um. Okay. This guy, this is, I'm questionable on if he can make Death Valley or Mount Rushmore, so I have to just bring him up. He's kind of the last one. Okay. Uh, Avalanche Shark. Because, like, he mm. wasn't shitty. Like, <laughs> he tried. He, really, the, right. only, the, the joke only is that he had to change his name a hundred times, but that didn't make, like, he still was just fucking Earthquake with different, like, names and a different tattoo yeah because he changed the yeah. tattoo <laughs> hey that's that? that's a point in his favor you're right he uh, committed so hard to this dungeon duty he got his tattoo change of his like college <laughs> that he like, had in college yeah <laughs> lsu the, yeah what the fuck <laughs> like he gave a lot for the dungeon of doom you know what that's an excellent point and not <laughs> only that he had a storied history with the pre-dungeon version of this because he was a face of fear yes he was an original when he was an avalanche still that you know what man that's you know, big John Tenta, huh? Yeah, very loyal. Um, he, I mean, he ended in 96. He didn't make it to, like, the very end. No, he didn't. Because I, then he's like, I'm not a avalanche shark. I'm not a fish. Yeah, like, whatever. Remember that speech? It's basically the equivalent in WW or WCW as the WWF Big Van Vader, I'm a big fat asshole, or whatever yeah. he says. <laughs> big fat, I'm a fat piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, literally, they're almost the same speech. Wow, you know what? John Tenta, huh? John Tenta to me is like one of the most like unsung heroes of wrestling. Like I he's love so John. good. I almost want to put him above Luger because Luger, here's why. Okay. Luger, as much as he had integrity, he's interesting. And you he's gotta give him that. Very interesting and a real person and not a shark, right? Right. But when we're talking about dungeoning duties, right. he had that alliance with Sting, and I wouldn't trust that if I was the master. Well, the master was like or the taskmaster you know, sleeping or whatever. I don't know if he noticed, but, but I'm just saying it was a little shady that dealing on the side there. Whereas John Tenta, he listen, this man was an earthquake. This man was an avalanche. He changed his gimmick for this damn thing, and he changed his tattoo. Yeah, and he wore a stupid outfit, yep. and he still was John Tenta. I want to put him in. Do it. All right, you know what? I'm doing it. This is extra. We can do whatever we want. We actually here. can. So for number four, the shark. Well, to recap for Mucko, the uh, oh Mucko, right. I don't know because I don't know if Donnie listens to he these. He subscribes. He could listen. He to it. could, but he won't. Yeah. The uh, the Mount Rushmore, believe it or not, there are four that we considered good enough to make it of the Dungeon of Doom are 
The Taskmaster, Kevin okay. Sullivan. The Taskmaster. The Giant. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Hart. Okay. And in the surprise ending, The Shark. Wow. That's actually like, considering the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. That's not all that bad. It's really not. Like, now that I'm rationally, like, talking about it or whatever. And we put them all in for very specific reasons. You know, Sullivan, because he did the best damn job he could. Right. The Giant, because he won the world title and he was their centerpiece. Jimmy Hart, because he brought inside intel into this whole thing. And he was a good heel manager. And the Shark, for his dedication. That sounds like the Dungeon of Doom I like, that Rushmore. Damn right, Quinn. So that's our Mount Rushmore. Quinn, uh, you got to start with one of the best. I'm going to kick it off with one of the worst, and I'll just be blunt with you. It's the Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Yeti is like no question, or Yeti, as Tony yeah. Schumann. Why did he call him that? I don't know. So, like, to this day, I don't know why. So to people who may not be familiar with the Yeti, you know, people like that were... Um, you know, not watching by this point, probably, because why yeah. would they? They're probably watching Dean Douglas on Raw or whatever, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. You can. You want to explain the yeah. Yeti or what? First of all, why? Well, not even first of all, explain the situation and right. then we can get on with the Yeti okay. instead of Yeti. So the master, first of all, the master. Right. Right. He was like, I'm going to unveil the Yeti, the Yeti, who had been uh, frozen in the block of ice, right? For like a thousand years. Because that's what they, happens with Yetis. They said something dumb, like you've yeah. been frozen for a long time. Even though I don't think that's the story of like, you know, the archetypal Yeti, which is like a Bigfoot. He's from, um, no, he is from the North Pole or whatever, the Yeti. No, Yeti. the Abominable Snowman. Yeah, it's ab- the same thing, ab- I thought. Abdominable. I think it's just like an alternate name for a Yeti. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't think so. That's I what I thought in um, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Isn't that the Yeti? The, the the Abominable Snowman? Like, he's both? I think they're similar. I don't... You know, let's... Since we're here, yeah, the Yeti or Abominable snow, Snowman is an ape-like entity taller than an average human said to inhabit the Himalayan region of Nepal, Bhutan, and Tibet. Well, not the North Pole, but close. But they're not, not supposed really to be... Not close. They're <laughs> not close. They're not supposed to be frozen for a hundred, a thousand years, though. Yeah, but he, the freezing part goes with the cold part, because Tibet is probably the mountains. Isn't that where Everest is? Yes, it is. You're, so, that's correct. So in the Himalayas. They got the frozen part right, but keep going. Now, you didn't think you were going to get an Asian geography lesson here about topography, did you? No, This is what no. we do here on Extra on the Patreon here. Right, right. But anyway, so the master, like, you know, this is going to be a big help. For right. The, the big, big acquisition. And if I recall, this is kind of a return of the master because he'd been not yeah. around for a while. He was so infrequent by, yeah. like, late 95. Right. So this is a Halloween Havoc. Now, I just want to briefly mention some of the events of Halloween Havoc. I want to emphasize that also it's Halloween It's Halloween Havoc, Havoc, of course, yes. Which has always had been the wackiest, (laughs) craziest pay-per-view. Eric Bischoff dressed like Dracula and (laughs) all this bullshit always happens at it and like, wasn't like the RoboCop at that? I think that was Halloween Havoc, wasn't it? it? Rick Rude as like, uh, like the know, Halloween Phantom, Halloween, like they always did something goofy at Halloween Havoc. Was Chucky around that time too? In ninety eight or nine, was a, I think like, it was at a, a Halloween yeah. Havoc. So like it was the tradition to be a little silly at yes. Halloween Havoc. But I would say Halloween Havoc ninety five is like the most silly it got. Well, I'll tell you what, because Giant had previously run over Hulk Hogan's motorcycle and made angry faces at him, Hulk Hogan ch- uh, challenged the Giant to a sumo truck wrestling match on top of Cobo Hall in Detroit. Right, because that always happens wrestling. But hey, it's <laughs> Halloween Havoc, right? Yeah. How'd they, they get the trucks up there? Would you say Halloween Havoc is 
um, non-canon. <laughs> it's like it's like the extra of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah. Like it's WCW like WCW extra, basically. Yeah, it's, it, I I really like Halloween Havoc as a pay-per-view concept. I love the idea that it's like all bets are off. Like fuck it. It's like this. It's time to be weird. <laughs> it would be fun if WWF did that in yeah, October. Actually, like, spice it up. Yeah, just like add like spooky angles just or whatever. Not, like, right? Who cares? It's sumo trucks. So these sumo trucks that got on the roof somehow of Cobo Hall. Uh, yeah. They had this fight with the trucks, and then Hulk Hogan threw the giant off the building. Right, because, you know, people just live. <laughs> well, Kurt Angle lived that one time he got thrown off the building. He was in a wheelchair for, like, six months and became, True. like, Professor, Professor X. X yeah. Like, hey, you know. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. So, anyway, Giant was fine. Yeah. And so he fought. He, he, to wrestle for the rest yeah. of the night. That's the crazy part. Fought Hulk Hogan in Halloween Havoc, and this is where the aforementioned uh, Jimmy Hart turned heel. Uh, right. It was revealed the next All of this happens on the same yes. thing. It's a wild ending to this pay-per-view. It is. At the end of the match, where Giants fighting the Hogan uh, right. out walks a very tall man dressed like a mummy. Right. Which prompts Tony Schiavone to of course say, it's the Yeti! Oh, it's the Yeti! The Yeti! Now, as we've mentioned, I feel like we have mentioned this rather recently. Uh, first of all, he's dressed like a mummy. The Yeti is dressed like a mummy. So he's, first of all, it's truly pronounced Yeti. It's Yeti. But Shivani permanently in our minds he is says now Yeti. the Yeti. Well, it's what Shivani says. And and I believe he addressed this on some podcast. I hope so. Because yeah, I don't know what to. the results were because I, it's Tony Shivani and I really don't care to listen to a podcast <laughs> with him. But I, well, you I don't heard, want to hear a lot of vulgarity and him and Conor I get drunk while yeah, they watch an I, old show. I've heard people talk about this Yeti and it's one of the best episodes of Tony Shivani <laughs> podcast or whatever well, it's at. Check it out and let us know, folks. Yeah. But the problem with the Yeti is the Yeti, a Yeti is not a, a mummy. Like right. a mummy is a mummy. A Yeti is like a, a He's big an foot, big ape thing yes. that we talked about from Tibet. Now this was just Ron Reese, right, wrapped up in toilet paper, <laughs> right. And later, after they would, the Yeti thing would last like a night, and he'd be super giant ninja <laughs> on Saturday night until he was in Raven's flock. Yeah, as the best version of him, yeah. Reese. Yeah. So with uh, with that, he got in the ring and he humped Hulk Hogan. Yes, and they like okay. It's so horrible. There, there was a double hug with the giant and the Yeti, the Yeti. Yes, there's a double hug, and yes. they're both like humping Hogan from the front and the back. It's yeah. horrible. So what you're trying to say is we should just put him in. Yeah, right? exactly. After that whole backstory, there's really like just no questions. Like I feel like the backstory is the explanation why why he's going. There, in. There's like all that shit that we said. It all really happened. You could go watch <laughs> Halloween Havoc yeah. and enjoy. So like f- yeah. So for number one, it's the Yeti. Yeah. Definitely. Die, die, die. All right. Now, some of these no, ancillary no. people oh, I God, wanted Quinn. to nominate because there Please. is some fucking weirdness going oh, they're on all here. Bad. Um, Braun the Leprechaun? I what, don't even remember that. What the that. fuck was this? He was I, probably just someone that hung out in the dungeon with Maybe Master. he showed up at Halloween Havoc 96. <laughs> maybe. Like, I don't remember because it <laughs> says 1996. Him. I won't put him in just because he wasn't that prominent. Right. But you know who was really stupid and was with them till the end? Who? Hugh Morris. Yeah, Hugh Morris. Like, I hated that. I hate the punny name, you know, yeah. humorous. Now, he fit because he was the man of question or whatever the fuck. But, but why like, was his name humorous? Like, right. humor and questions don't no, go hand in hand. his name was Hugh. His name was Hugh, and his last name was Morris. Humorous. Right, but Hugh Morris, you get it? H- Hugh Morris. What like, Justin have- Credible. But what does that have to do with the question mark? Well, that's how when he jumps, remember, he's in the shape of a question mark, as uh, like Mike Tanay said yes, or something. one of them. Yeah. But he's actually, 
Well, I don't know how he did with his dungeoning duties, though. But he's a oh, good wrestler. He was loyal. I, he was loyal. He You're was right. brought in as like new blood. I remember that. Like he, he was. He he's, was Jimmy Hart's fine. He was the next wave of right. uh, of the dungeon. Right. You know, that's not a bad pick, Michael. But I think uh, if we're going to be talking some of the worst, yeah. May I please <laughs> talk about Kamala? <laughs> oh, yeah. You going there? I, I was going in another direction, but okay. Well, Kamala. You hate Kamala with a passion. Here's the thing. <laughs> Why is he worse here? Okay. No, let me backtrack with okay. my Kamala because everything needs an explanation here. Right. Other than just saying Kamala sucks, which I could do all day long. Mm-hmm. Kamala 1982 world class or wherever he was or Memphis. Fine. 84 in the WF. Fine. Yeah. 87 in the WF. All right. Enough we're, already. We're pl- but, enough, we've seen enough Kamala. But not too bad. By that not, point, there was multiple Kamalas and a midget yeah, Kamala. Like, yeah. Yes, two Kamalas. Uh, Stan Frazier was white Kamala. Yeah. 92, 93 Kamala. It's like, fucking get out of here yeah. already, especially yeah. when he turned face. The hearse with the Undertaker, and he's all scared. Right. So what this being, what this represents to me, 95 Kamala in the yeah. Dungeon of Doom, you got to bear in mind, in 1994, we talked about this on Monday, previous Monday, uh, for episode 94. Remember when the Honky Tonk Man came in? Yeah, you feel this is a crony, don't you? Yeah, the, and uh, all those other guys, like Earthquake, which I like Earthquake, but he still got the job because of Hogan. We know he did. Yeah, right? but I mean, like, he could have just gone easily. He could have easily just stayed in WWF, too. He could have. Like, nobody, like, nobody wanted to get rid of Earthquake. Yeah, he's fine. His contract just expired. He didn't renew it in WWF. Yes. He wasn't, like, on the outs, like no, Honky no. Tonk Man. Man or right. anything. Honky tonk man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the Kamala just that screams Hogan got him this job. No one needed to see Kamala in 1995. Right. Kamala was long since done by this point. Yeah. Now, Kamala is portrayed as like, like he has like a handler, like kimchi and everything. Yeah, but he like, didn't there. Isn't he like, like he doesn't know what he's doing? Isn't that, wasn't it, wasn't that the whole point of the slickster what angle? He, what he was like, just like wandering around, then he wandered into the dungeon and the masters like eat shit, my son. And then, well, he didn't was, they like find him? I swear that's like a, a vignette. Like, you they know had more to, they about had, that than I do. They had then. to go find Kamala somewhere, like, because he was in the prairies or whatever. The prairies? Well, they did this shit. Like, like, this is how they always did things with Kamala. This was his angle. That doesn't mean I like it. Yeah, it stinks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That's a nomination is all I'm saying. Now, the, the Yeti, though. The Yeti. Now, we put the Yeti in. Hang on. The Yeti, Yeti. Yes, listen. So if he is the one that we put in as the worst, who can really match up? Okay. I, it's a between two guys. Loch Ness and the Ultimate Solution. Oh, God. Okay. Like, those are the worst ones. Good. Like, I was, without I'm question. Worse than Kamala is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> Loch Ness was giant haystacks, right? For no now, reason. Well, somehow he's not ultimate. Like I always I get, ke- confi- I kept getting, I confuse which one's which. I have to issue a major correction that I haven't really issued too much. So, for whatever reason, on WPAM, we were talking about the Dungeon of Doom and other stuff on our show. Okay, I kept calling the ultimate solution at first giant haystacks which he's not okay then i called him swede hansen but what i meant to say was jeep swenson oh well that's semantics it's but semantics okay. yeah so for the record giant haystacks is loch ness right okay the ultimate solution is jeep swenson now i don't remember seeing loch ness in <laughs> that in that ultimate thunder cage thing or whatever he's not where where the fuck was Loch Ness because I do remember him existing yeah he was a really big fat guy that was not giant or not haystacks was he just on like nitro or something yeah nitro and Saturday night and stuff and then he got mad at giant or something and they fought and giant beat him (laughs) 
Well, I mean, he was like 100 years yeah. old by that point. Loch Ness was useless. Like, you know that they just brought him in because he was big. And, and he sort of had a, a modicum of fame in, like, England or something. Yeah, but who cares? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Richard, but I mean... No one... No one likes giant Listen, haystacks. I people respect World of Sport and Big Daddy or whatever the fuck. Do they though? But it Do doesn't they? mean it's good. Who thinks Big Daddy's good? Do people? Listen, they, this this is going to be a controversial opinion, and I, I've only I'm only saying it on extra. Yeah, British wrestling sucks for the most part, and I think that it gets respect only because it's like the only thing there. Maybe. Like it's like completely inferior to Japan, U.S., Mexico, Mexico. Like it's not. It's like the worst of the like countries that have wrestling. Canada is better. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Like, you're right. I, and I hate Stampede. Yeah, so that's, no, that's saying a lot. But, but there's other good territories in Canada, or there right. were, you know, yeah. Montreal and stuff like that, and Toronto. But yeah, okay. So, but anyway, back to uh, Loch Ness. Right, he it's, sticks. <laughs> I'll put him in as number two because he was useless. Yeah, he didn't really do his dungeoning duties. Right, and he was a big fat guy. Loch Ness is the equivalent to the great um, Antonio or whatever that the fucking guy that yes. like got beat up by Antonio and Noki. Yes. Like, he, he's like that. Like, he's just fat, shitty, and old, and, like, why is he here? Okay, so do we want to put him in? Yeah. Okay, so for number two, Loch Ness. Die, die, die. Now, what do you think of this? Zeke um, Gangster. Well, Zeke Gangster. See, I mean, Quinn, it's I, fucking Zeus. I know, but... Quinn. You know, after watching that match, I thought Zeus, surprisingly, was, like, <sighs> he did not regress... As you don't bad think? as Ultimate Solution was just like fatting it up or whatever. Yeah, Ultimate Solution was useless there. Yeah, he was really bad. Like Zeus was just literally being Zeus. Zeus, like he was from not, 1989. You mean? Yeah, yeah, like he was not different. No, he wasn't. If anything, he delivered the goods. They wanted Zeus. They got Zeus. Let's be fair. He did exactly what Zeus should have done. Just looks at him with the weird unibrow and, and like you know does the clubbing blows or whatever Hogan's neck or whatever right yeah he did that spot (laughs) like literally he did his Zeus stuff and he left okay so Zeus gets a pass then now remember uh, Zodiac because Ed Leslie stinks oh yeah the Zodiac yes well what do you think yes yes no no well (laughs) okay so Butcher or Zodiac which one's worse Uh, Zodiac yeah, because he was like, Ooh, he's like a putty from yeah. Power Rangers. <laughs> like, he was. And yeah. then, of course, he became the booty man, which... He's got the was, booty! Uh, well, you know what's weird? No. He was, like, in the Dungeon of Doom for a long-ass time, and then somehow he helps, like, in the final battle. Like, he's booty yes. man. And that, like, oh, yeah, you know what? You know why he has to make it? He Be- fucked them. He betrayed them. He, he was working from the inside as a spy for, guess who? Hulk Hogan. Yeah, because... His fucking crony ass crony. His biggest crony to the point that they called him the fucking disciple at one point. Like <laughs> they did. That, I always felt that name was like a wink. Like it was like really. Well, I thought they. I thought due to his look and the, the what fact is he, that, he doesn't look like a disciple. He looks like a biker. Well, man. I was gonna like, say because of the way he looked and the fact that his finish was the stunner and it was called the apocalypse. I think they were taking a, sh- a very stupid, unnecessary shot at the DOA. Who cares? DOA stunk. They were like a sub team and like they weren't even good. But you know how WCW was in that's 98. That's petty as shit. Yes, like, but that's ca- how they were. Who even care? Like, oh, the them? Like, yeah, I know. I didn't even get that as a kid. Like, I was literally I like, I was like, 
What really? <laughs> yeah, I had no clue. I didn't he, even think about it. He was dressed like the DOA. He was called the disciple. I and thought he was fin- the disciple because he was Brutus Beefcake, and he literally is like the. He big, is a Hogan he's disciple. The, he's like the top Hogan, like of all the Hogan cronies. He is. Like he, he's number one. If anybody could call himself the disciple of Hulk Hogan, it's him. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hulkamania. I meant to <laughs> I know, say, but I know. yeah, like he is like holy shit. So he should be. Because he never even was fully committed to the dungeon. He fucked them. He fucked them. When it mattered, he fucked them. <laughs> like, that's a true statement. <laughs> for number three, the Zodiac. Die, die, die. If it wasn't for those pots and pans, Joe. That's true. He used cookware, and that's never now, good. okay, before we... We have to talk about some weird stuff I'm seeing here that I totally forgot happened. Yeah, go ahead. But Max, like, is that... Max is that muscle. Max mu- muscle himself? It yeah. just says Max, but... I don't remember that. He must have not been there. I thought he was DDP's crony. Yeah, but then DDP got rid of him. Remember? <laughs> well, he sucked. DDP had a no, or maybe they fought. They he had a fight. He kept messing up. Yeah. Remember? I thought actually, I thought he left DDP when he lost the bingo money. I thought that's uh, when he left DDP. I forget exactly when he left, but like because DDP uh, couldn't pay him anymore. Remember, he just sells rings to disco and all that shit. Which yeah, all this what? stuff was going on by that, to, like while this was happening. Yes. Yeah, you know what happened? Max left DDP and turned face for a while, and then he joined the dungeon. That's how it happened. But <laughs> wow, Ma- he fucked over DDP, huh? He did, he did. But I don't know, Kamala, really? Yeah. We're not worried about humor, well, right? Well, okay, what about this as being really dumb? What? Glacier as the Taskmaster's bodyguard? <sighs> Glacier was a heel? Wait a I, minute, hang I, on, hang on, hang on. I don't on. remember any of this, but apparently it's true from 96 to 97. Glacier, I thought, was a face. <laughs> I need to know what the fuck Wasn't this is. Wasn't Glacier a face? You're telling I, me he was a heel. Yeah, that's I what don't it, remember him being in the dungeon. I don't remember it at all, but uh, the Wikipedia.web says it's a <laughs> real thing. I don't remember that one lick. I can't get it to load, but you know what? <laughs> like, Do you want me to see if I can find yeah, out for the, you? Because it's so intriguing that I almost want to find out on air for folks. Well, all, all I remember is that he was like, um, it's so weird. There was like vignettes forever with him. And then he the debuted. Blood was cold. Yeah. But then the NWO happened. So we no need one to cared. consider this because if this is a true fact, then I don't know, man. Like, um, I'm trying it's pretty to bad. Yeah. I'm trying to see here. Like, that's like the worst possible thing. Forgive me, folks. I'm just trying to look, but I don't really see much about this. Maybe it's like an error. Yeah, I mean, I don't it is know. Wikipedia. I don't really see him. Wikipedia, whatever you want to call it. Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So you know what? We're not going to worry about Glacier. Okay, well, what about Conan? He sucked. Yeah, why was he in that? Now, was Conan in it when he, he was like the, already the Viva La Rasa or kind whatever, of, right? Yeah, he was, he was morphing it into wasn't, that. It wasn't the like superhero, like Max Moon version or whatever? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think he was pretty, uh, he was pretty Rasa. He was pretty Viva. Because I think I remember Rasa. him being Viva La Rasa and he was like a Jimmy Hart stooge. Yes, he was. And then he turned NWO, right? Wasn't that what happened? Yeah, he was in the NWO for a while, but it was like... Yeah, I mean, sorry, he was in the dungeon for a while, but then he just joined the NWO. What That's a essentially what happened. He, he was in the Dungeon of Doom, then he was in the NWO, and then they murdered him in Lucha Underground or whatever. He's dead. Like, well, not really. He's but dead. Maybe. No, yeah. the Katrina said he was dead. What about One Man Gang? Or are you okay with that? I didn't have a problem with that. And okay. he got shit done. He won the U.S. title. 
Like Yeah, true, he did. Yeah. But I think it might be Kamala, unless the ultimate solution was only there for that like one match, wasn't he? Yeah, but he sucks balls. <laughs> By the way, we need to before we go with this and, yeah. and finish it off. Yeah. Because I know some people might question us about this as well. There's an independent circuit version of the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, but God. Like, there's Kevin Sullivan, The Wall. He stinks. Gangrel. He's fine. Luna. Love Luna. Psycho Sam Dudley. Who is that? Hard Rock Ken Sweeney. Is he related to Larry Sweeney? I hope not. And that's it. Now, Sam, psycho, psycho Sam or whatever it is. Sam Dudley. Sam Couch. Yeah, Sam, <laughs> that's his real Sammy name. Couch. Sammy Couch. He fought Kamala once on Challenge, Quinn. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. Now, Ultimate Solution wrestled that one match. Z Gangster wrestled that one match. Kamala was horrible. So I'm going Kamala unless you can think of someone worse. I don't, I'll, I'll go Kamala. Well, I think Hugh Morris is a contender, too, because he was just so sucky. What what is so bad about uh he stinks? You think so? I thought but he was loyal. Fair. I'll he give was him that. Loyal. Kamala just was he was a passerby. Yeah, he didn't even have a leg to stand I would say, on. I, I he mean, hopped right out of there. I would say Max Muscle wasn't was pretty like around in 96, 97. He's he's horrible. Yeah, he's dippy. Yeah. <laughs> he was kind of dippy but though. But you know what? Fuck it. Kamala is bad. Like why would Come this on. is what I mean. Like cronyism, first of all, is the reason he's there. No <laughs> is one... he really like a friend of Hulk Hogan? I, I, probably on good enough terms. You brought Kamala, brother. I will do a and then yeah. they brought in Kamala, and then there was no reason for that. He was barely there, and Kamala. You know, I you know, I I really do feel bad for the guy in real life. I really do. Yeah, for what I he know. went through and stuff. I really do. But I've never liked him as a wrestler, and as I explained earlier, with decreasing frequency is he good you know what i mean like oh yeah by 95 he was shit like yeah. he, he just shouldn't have been wrestling <laughs> right like uh, seriously he was done pushing it 92 right by 95 like what do you even here for right it was kind of that like why are you in this company right exactly that's why i don't like why i don't like him so if you're okay with it i'm okay with it hey i'm always okay with putting kamala on a death alley <laughs> oh wait oh we're oh. forgetting the most important one what the master <gasps> Ding, ding, ding. The master. Oh, I almost... We, 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 Ooh. Shit. Now, this is his fault. This is this, his fault. Like, this whole thing is because of him. Yeah. We yeah. had to endure this because we of actually, him. We actually... I feel like we were mean to a lot of people by not considering him first. Well, we didn't put Kamala in. That's the only available spot. We can't mm. take him out. Once they're in, they're in. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I think Kamala might escape... Because of the master. I think you're right now. What? Okay. What I remember personally of the master is that he was only there sometimes in like 95, but that was it. He was also there in the, uh, well, 95 it began, right? Just 95. Yeah, but he was there at the like beginning founding. And then by Halloween Havoc, he was still around too with the yeah. Yente and all that bullshit. But he was gone by 96. Right. But he wasn't involved in the alliance But or anything. yet they always said he was pulling the strings. Yeah, he was still like referred to. He became an unseen character. Right. Which I think is shady as fuck and I don't like it. <laughs> he became Bob Sacramento. Yeah. But the thing is, is that if it weren't for him having this obsession with killing Hulk Hogan or whatever it was. I don't know. Just making his life shitty. Yeah, I guess. So. Like, take, I, or was it? They never really did anything to kill him. They only just were like, they shaved him. They annoyed him. They, yeah. they, they like bugged him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They like shaved his mustache when right. he didn't want it shaved. Right. They, it's not hot or something, yeah, you know, like yeah, that was oh, a cold yeah. rock. All the bad vignettes. Oh, God. like they're, they're like the worst vignettes. Joe. They are. But this is all his fault. Yeah, it this is. is all yeah, Curtis Ikea's fault. Yeah. Now the thing though is, why did he even? Why was what was Curtis Ikea 
himself's problem with this (laughs) is he like oh man i missed hulkamania because i was too old or something and he's pissed about it (laughs) like seriously so was he trying to take over the world and he saw hulk hogan is just getting in the way was world domination in the picture for the master i felt like isn't it usually isn't it well are you sure it wasn't just world wrestling domination not like actual world domination i guess i'm just trying to figure out his motive here because why did he live in a cave where did he find a cave you know, that's a good question. Like, yeah. Where fo- what? Like a foggy cave and it's cold. The water's cold. It's not hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not hot. Is it, it? Hmm. Well, we put Sullivan in to Mount Rushmore because he did the worst thing he yeah. possibly could, right? And to, to me, that automatically puts the master in Death Valley because he like, right. he, he takes all the credit. He's like the Hulk Hogan of this fucking faction. That's right. He took a big dump on the floor and he had everyone else cleaning it up for him. And then he's like, bye, I'm yeah, leaving. Yeah, for like two years. Yeah. It, all right, Kamala, I am sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry. I'm sorry we even considered you. You do not belong in there with yeah. the likes of the master. Fuck the master. Eat shit, my son. Eat shit, my son. For number four, the master. Die, die, die. Well, to recap for... Uh, let's pick someone. Pat Ray. Okay. Uh, the D- Death Valley of Dungeon and Doom members is the Yeti <laughs> Loch Ness, which oh. is no lo- not a lock or a right. Ness or a monster. Yep. Not no, like a Yeti isn't. It's yeah. A, isn't not a even actual thing. Yeti. Zodiac is not a Zodiac. He was right. Ed Leslie, right? Uh, with face paint, right? And, and he was a traitor. Yeah. He was he, fucking Benedict he was the, Arnold. He's the Benedict Arnold of the Dungeon of Doom. That's right. And the master. He ain't no master. Yeah. He was a lazy asshole. And he ain't wrapped up like no mommy. And either. the water was too cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not hot. Yeah, it's not hot. And there were no Hulkamaniacs there. <laughs> well, at least he had a non Hulkamania zone. That <laughs> we could say that much about him. He had a Hulkamania free zone, you yeah. know what I mean? Where you can only go 25 miles an hour and, and you it can't was wear. located somewhere in Turner Studios. <laughs> and you can't wear yellow and red. Yeah. So that is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Dungeon of Doom members. Well, two weeks from now, I think we'll get to another one of the suggestions. But I, I had to get this one done with because it was it was bugging me that we hadn't done this yet. Oh, I uh, before we go, I yeah. found out some interesting information. Please, do you want to know the hometown of the Dungeon of Doom because it's very funny? Mm-hmm. The Iron Gates of Fate, otherwise known as the Dungeon. Are you fucking serious? Yes. The Iron Gates of Fate. I don't know what where that is, but that's <laughs> actually where they're from. I am Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn, who doesn't live here anymore. Yep, I, I'm going to go back to my dungeon of doom after this. <laughs> go back to your Iron Gates of Fate. Yep. Until next time, eat shit, my son. I don't want another heartbreak. I don't need another turn to cry. No, I don't want to learn the hard way. Baby, hello. Oh, no. Goodbye. I can still hear the echoes cheering my name. Time has not silenced the crowd. I never did. A moon song. Or walk the top rope. We never flew through the air. I can still hear the echoes cheering my name. But today, I cheer for them. Order the WWF King of the Ring on pay-per-view, and you could receive a free Stone Cold Steve Austin skull necklace. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 98. We hope you enjoyed Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra Dungeon of Doom members, Quinn. It was sure interesting. It was an interesting one, right? Hey, if you liked what you heard, like we mentioned earlier, you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. If you want to get more of these, we do them every other week. 
No pressure. We're still doing this show each and every week for free. Don't you worry about it. But uh, anyway, Quinn, we like to plug our friends of the show. There are other podcasts out there. Yes, there are. And we like them. We do. So we like to shout them out each and every week. Uh, Let's start with WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Now, this one comes out every Monday, and it is hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them is a professional wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus. Mean Mike Crockett, big daddy himself. The meanest, biggest daddy around (laughs) the block. He's joined each and every week by a guy that wrestles in the Ring of Honor. He is ROH's own, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. The Wine City Whaler. And I also want to say, I like how you said the Ring of Honor. The Ring of Honor. So is their ring, they are the Ring of Honor. Yeah, it's a very honorable ring. What, what about the other rings? Are they just not, not as honorable? Not, not as, so the WWE, that's not as honorable no, ring. So when we go really. to see this, yes. this is going to be the newest of J- Japanese honorable rings. Yes, it'll be the honorable Japanese ring, and hopefully Brian Malonis yeah. will be in that ring. Yes, we're referring to, of course, the big super show yeah, in April. Uh, in April, we're going to it, and uh, hopefully uh, the Wine City Whaler will be present. Hopefully he's there, but even if he's not, each and every Monday, he joins Mike Crockett as they bring their perspective as guys that are fans, but have also worked in the business. They'll talk about a little retro, best and worst sometimes, uh, maybe an interview here and there, some current products, state of the wrestling business, great show, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Also check out Greetings from Al Allentown, GF Allentown. That's every Thursday, Quinn. The big Thursday show. Yes. Uh, where you go inside the mind of Peter Winston and hear yep. about the Boston Bruins and some wrestling. <laughs> He's our little brother. Yes. Little baby Petey, you call him. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so what Petey does, little Petey there, is he'll take an old episode of wrestling. It could be something from the 70s or 80s or even 90s. He'll use that as his backdrop, and he will paint you a vivid psychedelic picture of his observations, anecdotes, analysis, insight, and personal stories. He weaves it all together in a beautiful retro wrestling package. It is greetings from Allentown, GF Allentown. Big fans of that show. And also check out Booking the Territory with Mike Mills and crew. What they do, Quinn, is they are the unprofessional wrestling podcast. They are the Southern Fried OVP. <laughs> they, they do some cussing. Yeah, they do some cussing. They like to cuss. A <laughs> little fussing, too. They fuss about the NWA, you know, the Crockett years, the yeah. good stuff. They fuss about the Smoky Mountain. Great stuff. So check out Mike Mills and book in the territory. Those are our three friends of the show, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown, book in the territory. Check those guys out. But Quinn, we are reviewing something like we mentioned. We are reviewing a two hour episode of Monday Night Raw. I got to say, holy shit. I never thought Ooh. I'd see the day. Action packed. This is an honor usually reserved for finales, these longer things. They are. But this is something where if we really wanted to truly encapsulate 1998 WWF, you have to do a Raw. It's very hard not to. It's very hard not to. So, folks, this is a very important Raw in a lot of ways. It's April 13th, 1998. It was live. And it is the WWF Monday Night Raw that defeated Nitro in the ratings for the first time in 83 weeks. It's the 84th week, if you want (laughs) to go in order chronologically. If you want to use math. The 84th week of the war. It is the 84th week of the war, and Raw won this night, and Mm -hmm. it's not hard to see why, honestly. It's an action-packed, jam-packed show. To set the context, this is a couple of weeks now after WrestleMania 14. The Austin era is underway. Michaels oh. dropped the ball. He went home to find it or find a smile. I don't he know not, what he did. He's not anywhere to be found on this nope. episode. Uh, so Austin is the guy, and his main antagonist is Vince McMahon. And this captivated an audience. 
and held their attention throughout 1998. And the WWF rode the wave that was cresting throughout this year for years to come. They took the company public. They exploded in popularity. And a lot of it has to do with the writing of this show. By a writer named Vince Russo. You're not allowed to give him credit. But also, um, it does kick off the boss versus employee um, style writing that we still, yeah. to this day, have to deal with. This is the only time it was really good. Yeah, this I mean, is the really. only time. Yeah, this, is, this is it. <laughs> so let's get into this WWF Monday Night Raw from April, April 13th, 1998. Uh, we start with last week where Steve Austin wore a suit with a baseball cap in an effort for Vince to try to make him more of a corporate type of champion. He wanted him to be the corporate champion. Yeah. That he would later get. He would as later we, get as that. we talked about. Exactly. Anyway, what Austin did is he ripped off his suit. He mm-hmm. ball tapped Vince. He Wait, took a picture hilarious. of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that uh, whole segment yeah. of him ball tapping Vince and then taking a picture yeah. of him is very funny. It's very good. Then we go to our uh, our famous Rusty Warehouse opening. That's Austin's house, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember from right. that, that 96 <laughs> yeah. Raw where, it's, where they were like, this is where he lives in this house, <laughs> this rusty factory. This rusty factory. In Austin, Texas. <laughs> the dogs are going Wolf Wolf Quinn. Yeah. And don't forget, He's a man! What Did it? Bret Hart is also still slightly in the intro, if you notice. If you look carefully, he is there. He's there. Which is funny. We are from Philadelphia with a red hot crowd, Quinn. One million signs. One million signs. You can't even see the thousands of people underneath because (laughs) there's so many signs. It's like Mama 316. (laughs) Yeah, it's just weird shit. Suck my dick 316. Like, you know know the signs. It's real, though. So Jim Ross is hosting with Michael Cole. That's the hour one host here. They're still in, like, their raw gear that they had to wear for a while now it's it says Warzone also on it they're like the yeah. co-mingled jackets yeah. raw and Warzone, zone yeah. one on each breast right <laughs> so the glass breaks quinn and we have steve austin to a loud ass crowd reaction or another Sign of the crowd, Quinn says, "Happy hundredth birthday, Hulk Hogan!" <laughs> but he's just like us. It's almost his, it's, it's his hundredth birthday too. Yeah, ours is coming up. That's yeah. right. So Austin immediately calls out Vince to talk. He asks for a beer while he waits. He doesn't get one. I Bill, don't blame him. <laughs> Bill after Quinn is at ringside, probably snapping some pictures for those magazines. The after Max. <sighs> Quinn, how many times do I have to tell you? What? Don't call them the after Mags. Don't do it. Okay. Sorry. You're not allowed to do it. Anyway, Vince reluctantly like peeks out from backstage with Patterson and Briscoe. Yes, but he's got some backup. He does. He has cops in riot helmets. Now I say, is that necessary? Like, how do you request? <laughs> like, I want, I want the cops, but I want them with the yeah. riot gear on. Yeah, you call and even JR's like, all right, why do I got the riot gear yeah. on? Like, <laughs> he does. Yeah. But if you call, oh, this is Vince McMahon. I need a uh, cops. I'm bringing the riot gear specifically. <laughs> yeah, specifically. <laughs> I don't want the other cops. I want the right cops. They got the batons. Yeah, the wand. Yeah. Uh, so Austin wants to know who he's fighting at the next pay-per-view. Vince doesn't know. He won't say. He doesn't know yet. He's not sure. Austin runs down the list of reasons that Vince doesn't like him as champion. You know, the beer, the clothing, the colorful language. Now, I think he should be doing it like Chris Farley from when he did that impression. The one on the news where he's like, I don't like being a nice guy. Yeah. Like, like Colorful as- language. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm not 
the norm. I'm not camera friendly. So Detective Austin over here deduces that Vince himself wants to be the champion based on Vince's qualifications for a good champion. Vince has a priceless reaction. He's kind of like half smirking about it. Yeah. He, he doesn't deny it. He's also it. not, it doesn't act like a stupid, like a written character. Yeah, right. Like he said, he's like, where is this going? Yeah. yeah. He's like, where's all this going, basically? Yeah. Austin accuses Vince of wearing the new belt in his pajamas at his house, yeah. like walking around well, with it. Well, I bet that happened. Actually. <laughs> he's like, Linda probably thinks you look like a jackass in it. Yeah. I'm sure before I took this belt from you, you walked around in your house with your little pajamas on and you had this belt strapped around your waist and you said to your wife, honey, how do I look as a world champion? She probably said you look like a jackass because you do. Austin offers to put the WWF title on the line tonight against Vince. So Vince is unsure. So Austin says, well, we can do this the easy way. We can do it the hard way. Austin mentions that he could beat Vince with one hand tied behind his yeah. back. The easy way is that Vince just faces Austin. The hard way, Austin says, is that Austin takes a cameraman backstage to Vince's office. The whole country will watch Austin beat Vince's ass yeah, anyway. but in the back. In the back. Austin gives Vince 30 minutes, very kind of him. That's nice. <laughs> to decide. And then he says to Vince that your limo driver has been beat up and you got four flat tires. So he can't escape. And by the way, I love that the precedent has been set that Austin's crazy enough to do that. And he probably did. Yeah. Because of the Brian Pillman. Like, remember? Right. Remember two weeks ago when we did 96 and he broke into somebody's <laughs> yeah. house and like broke their windows and stuff. It's not beyond Austin to yeah. beat up a limo driver. And c- cut the tires. <laughs> yeah. the tires. So a camera now backstage secretly films Vince talking this to the Stooges. This is great. I love the way it's shot because nowadays and for years since, you know, we've had like the camera that's just there, but no one notices it, but right. it's right in their face. Right, exactly. This is like the cameraman is creeping from behind yeah, the corner. Yeah, like they really, they can't see the camera. Yeah, they don't know he's there. So uh, the Stooges, you know, Briscoe and Patterson, <laughs> Briscoe's like, break him, Vince, and then immediately after Briscoe says, break him, break it down! Yeah! What a nice little segue. Who is directing this? Kerwin's doing a great job on this episode. Whoever wrote it, too, you know... I don't know what would become of him, but he yeah. certainly did a great there job. There must have been both of them. Because yeah, honestly. Kerwin saw the script, yeah. and Russo wrote the script, right. and Russo wrote DX Comes Out. After, so it's like, wow. Vin, the guy's making fun of you. He's making a fool out of you. You got to stop it tonight. I know you can do it, Vince. I know you can do it. Do it tonight and get it over with. I'm sick of this crap. He's challenged you in the ring. He's challenged you in the dressing room. He's challenged you in the street. You only got one thing to do. You broke the rest of them. Break him. Break it down. So the new DX wanders out, and uh, we see the DOA and the Bariquas are in the ring in a chain match. God, it never ends. What is this? Yeah. Why are they- this is still shit left over from Adam, the, the new generation. I don't just, care about this. We just talked Why about is Savio the- there? I don't know. It's uh, just to, to clarify, it's Savio and Jose Estrada Jr. versus Skull and 8-Ball. Meanwhile, Chains goes at it with Billy Gunn on the outside. As this triple- is funny because yeah. they just beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> triple H and X-Pac just kill Chains with with chairs, pedigree on the chair. Yeah, I'm like, 
fuck you fake Undertaker. Like, it's hilarious. Like, it is. They, this beatdown on him while the match is going on is so long. It is. They don't even film the match. They just they film them beating film up chains yeah. for like five minutes. It's but, all of DX beating up primetime Brian Lee yeah. basically on the ramp. And uh, you said, well, the rest of the DOA are chained up. Yeah. So they can't save chains. How ironic. Very ironic. Yeah. DX comes in the ring now to beat up Skull and 8-Ball, but the crowd chants LOD. We won't see them yet. Savio and Jose Estrada. This was very funny. Not the good Jose Estrada. No, this well, is Junior. Just, no, yeah. Not they, Video City. No, not Furniture City. They proudly stand with DX and they do the crotch chop and then China just double ball shots Yeah, them. they thought they were so good. Like, they just get like, fucked and it's you know true. what i called it like i didn't even remember did. what would happen i was like there's no way the you know these stupid goobers are gonna act like they're like so good and yeah. dx is just gonna beat them up because that, that's just we got to get rid of this trash yeah, like these seriously people, like this is what this is and i was saying to you also this it reminds me a lot of um wrestlemania 30 mm-hmm. how the last remnants of dx went out with the shield. With with the New Age Outlaws yeah. getting their asses whooped by the shield. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I always liked that moment. Just for the record, too, folks, uh, DX is still technically heels for a little while longer here. Right. They're, they're getting crowd support. They're heels, but, but they the, don't like anyone. They don't like anyone. People in DX. Yeah. Like, so, but they are heels, just right. for the record. They're not face yet. Anyways, change gets stretchered out. Backstage again, the Stooges and Shane now is there comforting Vince, well, confronting Vince yeah. is Shane. Uh, the Stooges are comforting him. And I gotta say, like I said, I love the way it shot. It's very clandestine, you know what I mean? Like the cameraman just yeah. creeping I, I around. I have to say a, a thing also is the Stooges are dicky here because they're the ones egging Vince on to put himself in danger. Yeah, Shane's trying to stop it. Right. Shane yeah. literally says, this is crap. You're like, you're not a wrestler. Stone Cold Steve Austin's a wrestler. You're gonna get your ass handed yeah. to you. Like, what the hell? Shane, I have a lot of confidence in your dad. What are you down on his head with? This is, don't this is crap. This is crap. This is real. He's gonna get hurt. This, this is, is crap. crap. Brian Christopher's music is on, but <laughs> Vince like wanders out during it, which is yeah. funny. Yeah, and uh, it's, the whole time Vince is walking, you just hear like that shitty like it's like it's like a crappy like when you're in a factory in a video game music. Like that's like that that's what that music reminds me of. Pretty much, Quinn. Yeah. So it's too much. That'd be Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor they in the ring. They haven't transformed yet. They're not too cool yet. Yeah. They're supposed to fight Agula and someone. someone I don't know who that like is. Someone in like zebra print. I don't know who With a mask is. on. Yeah. Another one of the heavy metal-esque people. Probably. Yeah. But Vince gets in the ring, gets on the mic, and he goes into the whole spiel, you know, for over 50 years, the World <laughs> Wrestling Federation. What the world has been watching. <laughs> like, I seriously, like, as soon as he said that, I was just thinking of the, for over 50 years. The revolutionary yes. force. Yeah. But he says it's been part of his heritage, you know, with his grandfather. Yeah, that you know, Jess. the Goldust Trio <laughs> yeah. and Jess McMahon. Exactly, and blah, Toots blah, blah, blah. and all that. Toots. And he hopes it would continue with his son and daughter. Well, don't worry, Vince. It will continue with well, your daughter. Well, just not your son. No, just he, your daughter. He does something because else. Because she wheedled him out of there. Wheedled. So, Weedle's Japanese name is Beetle, which is kind of strange, but okay, we'll go with it. And this is a hairy bug Pokemon. So Vince says sometimes a man's got to do what a man's got to do. So he answers the question if he'll fight Steve Austin in this very ring tonight. Oh, hell yeah. No! He's got to be kidding! Classic. I always remember Vince saying yep, that. Very yeah, calmly. Was, yeah, it was very good. J.R. Cole, especially J.R., get very upset. The Stooges come out and they get happy about it as they escort Vince to the back. They're totally behind this Vince yeah. might get killed thing. Right. Like, they're the they're, ones causing it. If, if you think about it, they're the evil ones here. They're egging Vince on. 
I totally agree. Yeah. Now, in a great little character touch here, and a little bending of kayfabe, Jr. gets very upset. Yeah. He actually leaves to go backstage. I'm not gonna take this. Shit. Has everybody lost their mind? For God's sakes, Vince is gonna get hurt, and uh, I'm gonna do what I can, folks, to make sure that this does not happen. So, as Jr. is walking backstage, the lights go out. Is it Kane? No, no, no. It's the Undertaker. Awesome. It's great. This is so good. It is. Stuff just keeps happening. There's yeah. no dead time. No, not at all. It's awesome. There's yeah. no bullshit. Taker storms to the ring, choke slams the luchadors, then a choke slams Scott Taylor as Brian Christopher is bailed to the outside. Of co- because of course he does. Memphis like, Heel, man. Memphis Heel never gets the <laughs> no. comeuppance. He Waving just wants- his arms. Yeah, he's like, don't do it! Yeah. Scott! <laughs> Like, on the outside. And then Scotty Tuhati eats a tombstone for good measure. Undertaker grabs the mic and he's like, Kane, it's time that your big brother shows you what evil really is. He's very talky. Yeah, he cuts like a whole promo. Yeah. Very talky. And now, talky Taker. <laughs> the Starburst Slam of the Week. And it was uh, two weeks ago. Austin stunning McMahon. Right, that was the night two after weeks WrestleMania. Ago. Yeah, the night after WrestleMania. And now we cut to Kevin Kelly outside of Vince's dressing room. Like peeing and he... his pants. <laughs> I don't know what's going on! <laughs> he throws to a clip during the break yeah. where JR is trying to reason with the Stooges yeah. and Vince. Okay, this no, is it's a wrong, wrong, wrong decision, decision. He's not a wrestler. Stop it! Stop it! I've made my decision. Vince has none of it. He tells Shane to go get his gym bag from he goes, the car. He tells Jared to do his job. Yeah, he's like, would you please do your job? Goodbye. Now, this to me represented not, it's not supposed to be the even the bitter JR from before. It's no. supposed to be the JR who's head of talent relations Correct. Yes. telling him to, to not do it. Right. JR the employee. Not right. like bitter. But, but not even the announcer employee. None like of those. His other, his real job. His or senior vice president of talent relations or whatever he was. Like, right. He was yeah. a high up guy. Right. JR. So that's why this was interesting. And they don't even acknowledge that. Nope. They don't have to say what it is. Yeah. But it makes sense if you know the structure. I it, thought it's a nice nod to people who sort of know like right. the backstage. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Uh, Shane says this is the dumbest decision you've ever made. Yeah. Uh, this is the dumbest decision you've ever made. It may be. And then we hear Jeff Jarrett's music. I think that was the dumbest. I mean, come on, Jeff Jarrett. Why was he hired back? (laughs) Oh, this is not. I did not want to see this. I would have switched right over to Nitro as soon as I heard do, 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 do. And then I hear Colonel Parker yelling. It's fucking horrible. Then Cole mentions, Quinn, that Jeff Jarrett's going to be singing with Sawyer Brown in two weeks. Who cares? So Taka Michinoka was already in Why there. is he fighting Taka? Wait, he can't beat anyone normal? Fuck! Oh, God, he's the worst, Joe. <sighs> he is. Jared attacks him before the bell. As a bunch of flyers fall from the sky, like Jeff Jarrett flyers. That's so they can throw that garbage back at Jeff Jarrett, because he is garbage. Well, that's true. We go backstage, please, to Steve Blackman. He, I, I love Steve Blackman. He promises revenge on Jarrett. And I, 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 I agree with you. I love Steve Blackman as well. You said that like he's so boring, and that's the best part about him. Yeah, I said to you, he just needed to be a little bit more boring, and they figured that out once like head cheese came yeah. along and everything. He's I, great. He I have really no is problem good. with him. You know why the boring thing works with him? It's because it makes him seem like an actual, like real, like fighting Fighter. guy. Yeah, that it's like, no, I'm not here to be like <laughs> right. the Rock or something. Yeah. I'm here to kick some. That's all I care about. Yeah, I'm it, not trying to be fun. Yeah, exactly. He's great. Like, he really is good. He's the only guy who ever did the boring, right? They tried it with, like, Lance Storm, and I just Ugh. never... He was almost like... 
a little charismatic with the boring, yeah. and it didn't work. Steve Blackman was the genuine article boring. There can only be one boring guy on a roster, usually, uh, and he was it. And he was, was the best boring guy ever. Great look. Yeah. And he wasn't bad in the ring. No. I had no problem with him. Everything I about him. him was good. Yep. I never understood why people hated him. I had no problem with him. Tennessee Lee just yells for no reason <laughs> on commentary. Look, I love I love Colonel Rob Parker, but no, not 98 here. <laughs> you don't not like Tennessee here. Lee. No, it's annoying. You know, not only wow. are these flyers a cover by the roof of great yeah. advertisement, they're also a wonderful souvenir, and they're even a keepsake to take home forever and hold on to. So uh, Timmy White is the ref for this very meaningful match here, and mm-hmm. he blatantly taps Taka at one point, and then he loudly says, we can go home, guys, we can go home. Good thing. Or Taka's been uh, at his share. Home, basically, is Tennessee distracting Taka as Club Kamikaze comes yes. in. Club Kamikaze. You want to explain who they are? Yeah, that's Kai and Tai. That would be a Men's Teo and um, Dick Togo. Uh, Dick Togo and the, and the uh, Funaki. Funaki. That'd the be them. Funaki, yes. The Funaki. Uh, current WWE ja- Japan announcer. Yep, he's like never left, right? Yeah, he's he still works been there. there. Yeah. Good for him. 20 yeah, years he, of employment. I, he's like got the Gorilla Monsoon like <laughs> lifetime employment thing. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they beat the shit out of Taka. Then they just leave through the crowd. Jeff Jarrett this is the funny part. Ah. He, it is funny. He puts the figure four on Taka, and then he just yells to the camera, Ain't I great? Taka, they're going to ring the bell. Never drew a dime, Joe. You're right, Ever. You're right. He sucks. Uh, backstage, Austin is in the Cinderblock dressing room. The same one where he infamously said the uh, soundbite on this show yeah. that we always use. It sucks. Yeah, that one. It sucks. Right. He's actually like the view of him here. Is that exact? Yeah. I swear Just to you. Just a close up of yeah. him. He doesn't feel bad about this. Vince made this decision. Then we go backstage again. Vince is now in his workout shirt, like a sweat shirt, but it's not like it's short sleeve. This is where we're starting to reveal that like underneath Vince is like a boss from Streets of Rage. Yeah, basically. Like, he like, takes the suit off and he's like muscular final boss Vince McMahon yeah, exactly and a funny segment where like Briscoe and Patterson are dem- demonstrating some amateur wrestling holds and display the counter to the stone the stunner. counter to the stunner that's right and Patterson's like boy is he in for a surprise which yeah. is very funny yeah. they're, just- they're very sure that they figured it out like <laughs> yeah. as long as Vince follows their instructions he's gonna be the champion yep and then you throw that shoulder into him Vince throw that shoulder yeah. and take yeah. and you want him from there you want him from right. there okay. boy is he in for a surprise all right Here's one I forgot about, Quinn, and I think you did too. I Far- totally forgot about this. Farouk, who's a face now, comes out to his rare solo theme with yeah. Cape Drip. This is before the Accolades, way before. Right. This is before he found an organization where he could play poker and, <laughs> yeah, and just smoke, smoke cigars, cigars yeah. drink beer. So The Rock had turned on him and ousted him from the nation. The rest of them agreed. Farouk's a face now. Badass. He cuts a short, to-the-point promo on The Rock, challenges The Rock to come finish kicking my ass. Yeah. The nation comes out Rock has his shiny shirt on. He's yeah. starting to do that now. And The Rock says he's got a very big hand, so you know what that means. And he calls Farouk Pops. Well, he is Pops. You're right. He is kind I mean, of old. He's very old. <laughs> he is old. Is he like 40 He's already? literally 40. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So Farouk does the nation's salute. Which That's is, weird. Yeah, the nation's like, what the hell are you doing? But behind the nation, right. out comes Blackman and Ken Shamrock. They're doing the nation. And they're doing the nation's salute to Farouk. So... 
We have a huge brawl here. We got a backup for for for. for I love it. New acolytes, if you will. I love it. Yeah. A bunch of refs and Dave Hebner, Tony Gurria, Slaughter come out to break it up, and a very loud Rocky sucks chant breaks out. Yeah, as the we... fans still don't like the Rock. No, it's awesome. Rock's yeah. starting to get over more and more. Yeah. And uh, we get the ten ten three two one rewind. Well, only ten three two one. So, they didn't acquire me. the other ten. There's only so one ten yet. Um, <laughs> and and that was uh, last week where Mick Foley. Very pissed off about mm-hmm. the fans chanting for Austin while Foley is laid out. He quits the WWF, he says. One of his better WWF promos. Just Mick, I love Mick Foley on promos. Yeah, I, he, I love he's it. really good, especially when he gives emotional promos. Yeah, and this is one of them, and it's really great. I gave you every bit of energy I had. After 13 years of blood, sweat, and tears, but it's not worth it anymore. It's going to be a long time before you see Cactus Jack in the ring again. Somewhat coincidentally, we're back with Terry Funk. To me, that's not coincidental. That is is like this show is perfectly paced. And when it gives you one thread, it leads to another. But I thought Vince Russo wasn't good. Yeah, I thought so too. But well, uh, I guess I guess we yeah, were wrong. Yeah. So uh, Terry Funk comes out to his music, or is that Cactus Jack's music? It's Cactus's music. It's just that Terry. They used it when they were a tag team, I think. So Terry's just taking it for himself right. for a little while. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, he's not around much longer anymore. No, he's so, a few yeah. more months. Yeah. So he's here to announce, and I totally forgot about this. His new tag team partner since Cactus Jack's gone. Yeah. He promises to uh, to put some funk in our faces, which I'm not sure if that's legal, Quinn. I don't know if I want any funk in well, my he's face. He's got some kind of funk here. <laughs> yeah, he does. He says his partner is very hardcore, and I'm like, is it Tommy Dreamer? Yeah. Am I forgetting something that happened? Yeah. We should have we should have noticed it at the funk part. <sighs> it's too cold, Scorpio. Or flash yeah, funk. Flash funk. Get it. And no one really cares that he much. He is introduced as too cold, Scorpio. He is, he, which is then, nice. So you had said during this it's like okay good it's like he's like finally not like, yeah he is too cold scorpio right. the, the normal kind bro nobody wants to see a fake pimp yeah it's 1998 vince yeah. we don't want to see this anymore yeah. you know i can imagine vince russo doing right. that i agree with him everyone knows him as too cold scorpio he had great matches in the ecw and vince. the wcw and the wcw yeah. yeah so anyway we finally get to see their opponents <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of the show <laughs> coming in from the frame it's the Quebecers. Out of nowhere. You know, Pierre, that big overstar yeah, right now. Yeah, PCL, like the, man. The independence. Yes. What is that? By the way, what is going on with Pierre? Career I, renaissance. I, I've heard rumors. There's rumblings that Pierre is back in full force. He is. And he's, he's very over. 50 years old and I don't he's know. working his ass Fans, off. Can somebody put a thread on the boards? Because I don't know. I only saw a little bit about this and I'm, I'm curious. This it, it intrigues me a lot, this Pierre thing. Well, I have a hot take for you guys. What? Pierre was always good. And I've always said oh, that. I never thought I've he, always been listen, on the Pierre bandwagon. I've never thought he was bad. I just didn't think he wrestled anymore. No, I know that. Yeah. But Pierre's always been good. In, in the Quebecers, he was really yeah. good. As Jean-Pierre Lafitte. He had that good match with Brett. He, did, he was yeah. a good worker. <laughs> yeah. He was legitimately always a good worker. I think the whole eye patch thing. That can work better nowadays where you have like darker characters. He's not doing the eye patch though. But doesn't he have some kind of scar thing on his eye or something? I, I think that's, he's I got a glass pictures. eye yeah. or something or he's or blind he, to one he's, eye. He's exemplifying it, I guess is what we'd say, right? I don't know. 
he's pointing it out, but not emphasizing having a it. Emphasizing it. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, the Quebecers are in their stylish blue. Like that was the attire they what wore was with this attire. I thought this was weird. Well, that's when they were in WCW as the amazing French Canadians, right? But to me, it looked attire. like Dean Douglas attire with like not shorts, like pants. <laughs> and uh, King is also joining commentary. Jacques has very long hair and a ponytail. Right, and his hair's thinning a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah, it doesn't yeah. look good. Or it's me. pretty cool to see the Quebecers, yeah. honestly. Like, in all seriousness, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> this is interesting. Cole actually uses Pierre's full name, Pierre Carl Ouellette, which yeah. is what he's called now, PCO, as Pierre does a top rope belly-to-belly. Awesome. I'm telling you, the guy was always this good. the best wrestling of the night. And they set up their finish, which is the Tower of Quebec, they used to call it, which yeah. is basically like an assisted cannonball. Yeah, which, I mean, if you watch any of 1994, or yep. if you watch the Rumble 94 when they show how they Yeah, they the show that, right, yeah. with the Tower of Quebec. Yeah. I love it. Great finish there. And uh, they set it up, but Scorpio moves and hits the 450 on Pierre for the win. Some kid holds up a sign that says American Wrestling Commission. I'm assuming that's his backyard <laughs> federation, guess, and he was know. very proud. <laughs> like kid. It's like, you know, we'll make it big. Our Backyard Federation will be the next ECW God. if they can just see this sign <laughs> on on Raw, right. on 4, whatever this is. Right, on 4. Yeah. On 4. 413, yeah. yeah. So that's the end of Raw. Let's go to Warzone. No, wait, 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 wait. Here's Luna yep. in a sailor outfit, I guess. Sailor Luna. Captain's hat. So you said you like Goldust remixed music. I do. I really enjoyed it. Actually, it's like that. It's got like all these weird noises in it. It does have a lot of noises. That's a horrible impression of the music, but go look it up on YouTube. Golden second theme, I guess it would be called. Yeah. Yeah. So Luna does her usual Sable. Hey, Sable. That's all that the people that Sable feuded with, all they did was say her name. Sable. Yeah, because Jackie did the same thing a little bit later. Hey, Sable. It's always just, hey, Sable, I'm going to beat you up, and then they don't. Well,. I mean, what else can you really do? With Sable? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Just get your ass kicked and look stupid, even though you're infinitely more talented and deserving. Wow. So anyway, the first ever evening gal match is impending Quinn at Unforgiven. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, that was exciting, it I, was, so, I guess. It was unprecedented. It's better than that tuxedo match between Fink and Harvey. Gar- Harvey, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So uh, Luna mentions PMS and her flow, and thank yeah, God. Yeah, she says flow, but then she changed flow of adrenaline. Yeah, sure. But you know That's what, what she means. Yeah. Thank God the Warzone intro happens now. This is not not the same intro, not the same oh, song. Oh, no, not at all. This is the one where you get the shot of the helicopters right. and the moon from, like, 95 that right. they're reusing. And there's still some woof-woof and still some dirty warehouse. It's yeah. still there, but it's... You're still in Austin's house. Yes, just different shots of Austin's house. Right. You get to see some other rooms. And uh, as we enter the Warzone, Sable's music hits... Uh, but no, no, no. It's Goldust dressed up like her. And King, uh, is that Sable? Yeah. And Jared's like, yeah, she's 6'6 six, six now, King. Is that Sable? <laughs> yeah, Sable's 6'6 six, six now. I got to say, Goldust, first of all, is really funny during this. He is. Like, yeah. the stuff he's saying. Yeah. But also, like, he does a good one. Like, he looks like he could be, like, an older woman. An older lady. Yeah. yeah a like, homely woman. Yeah. A handsome woman. <laughs> I'm surprised. So he gets in the ring. He's playing along. You know, Luna takes him down and he's saying things like, oh, don't do that. Don't take this off. Stop it. You're hurting me. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. He's being really funny. Being really funny. Then, of course, the real Sable enters in a blouse. And of course, she but, makes Luna look stupid because yeah, that blouse is really revealing. <laughs> yeah. Revealing. Revealing how talentless yeah. she is. Because God forbid Luna get any offense. Well, it's Sable. She sucks. I do not like Sable. <laughs> Just calm down. You know who did, Sable. though? You know why? Vince McMahon really liked her. And Vince Russo really liked her. And also and Brock Lesnar. Really, really yeah, liked really her. Really liked her. <laughs> he yeah. still does, actually, is what I understand. Yeah. Anyway, a bunch of refs and agents, the same ones. They come out, they break it up. 
Backstage, Austin's lacing up his boots. Uh, we go to ringside. King's got his red Sergeant Pepper jacket on. Notice how King came out for the girls. King always comes when the girls come out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Shamrock's music hits, and he enters with Quinn. This is a dream team. Steve yeah. Blackman. And they're facing off against... <laughs> <laughs> Not a dream team. No. The new Midnight Express. They are the NWA Tag Champions, but for the record... This is a non-title match. <laughs> yes. So the way they do this, actually, is they don't clip to Midnight Express. Basically, Chimel says, this is a non-title match. Right. And then two seconds later, it clips to Midnight Express holding the NWA tag team titles. And you're like, oh, but a, not, a of, not those titles. A lot of people would argue anyway that in 1998, Quinn, the NWA tag titles are non-titles to begin with. Dan Severn in a suit is with the Midnights and Cornette. No Ugh. one cares. Yeah. Jarrah <laughs> plays up the UFC history. He's like, oh, it's a very important rivalry it's, it's in the UFC. the most important rivalry in all of sports. Oh, yeah. Says. Jack Doan is the ref. Severn leaves. Uh, Barton Shamrock start. Blackman tags in. So Jarrah makes fun of the whole bodacious and bombastic nicknames. He's like, oh, that's right. Marketing genius came up with that one. My bombastic Bob. Boy, are those bodacious and bombastic names. Marketing geniuses. That's My easy, God, I can easy see for you to say. bumper stickers all over the well, that felt like almost Vince Russo wrote that line yeah. verbatim and was like making fun of how Cornette like just always clinging on to the Midnight Express. Hey, JR, can you make sure you make fun of Cornette? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's like <laughs> seriously what I almost envisioned. Right. Like when they were going over the run sheet and they get to this match and you make sure you say this here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bro, uh, JR and King, by the way, Quinn, we haven't mentioned it yet, but they're so good in 98. Yeah, they're very good. It's like, thank God Cole's like been, get him out of been here. shuffled to the back. Good lord. Yeah. But JR and King, they're 98 to about 01. Yeah. Is, is, they're, they're amazing. It's as close to a Gorilla and Bobby, Gorilla and Jesse as you could ever get. It's they were, longer than we got with any of those. It, it, yeah, it's a nice run. They were there yeah. every week. Yeah. They're they're really fun and captivating. Yeah. Like, just good. I'd say even since 2002, I want to, I like them then too. Yeah, they're still good in 02. They, they, they get worse when King turns face. Yeah. When he's, when he's like, Jerry's ah! Jerry the friend of JR. Yeah, Jerry the friend lawler basically yeah, yeah. he's like so wait JR what does this mean yeah he's like he's confused grandpa which by the way if you're ever confused why that exists it's clearly designed so that people new to wrestling like yeah. Lawler isn't stupid or got dumb no, no, no. or anything it's like they basically tell him act like you don't know so that the announcer explains it to you it's not he's like, exposition I, there's people I've heard on like other podcasts that get like upset about King being it's like no he's yeah has to be he's doing that so that people who don't are actually asking that question understand yes that's like, all it's not yeah jerry lawler's been in wrestling since like 1969 or yeah, something he knows he, everything he that's knows. going on he, he wrote kn- the book for cripes sake <laughs> cripes so yeah. anyway holly botches a hurricane of the crowd booze uh all four just brawl for a while a huge kick by blackman to bar and the ref calls a double dq and you said Quinn, we need to get some order restored here yeah i mean that's definitely what that call represented to me is that you you know, people are getting a little too liberal with the rules around here. So it has been very yeah. chaotic, you yeah. know, for over it's a time year. Time to de- DQ some people because that's what we would have done like two years ago yeah, in this exactly. company. <laughs> so, uh, in a very fitting shot, Kevin Kelly is in the bathroom <laughs> observing Vince and the Stooges. Look at this doof. I know, right? Like, he's, Hi, <laughs> what do you think, Mr. McMahon? And now yeah. Slaughter's in there with him. Yeah. yeah. Still the commissioner. Very much a commissioner. Uh, not commissioning too many things, but yeah, that's I his mean, title. I guess he technically had to sign this match. Or if we're to think huh. the rules still last. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess you yeah. had to make sure you give I mean, it the of okay. course, Vince made it happen. <laughs> yeah, I but know. But you're not supposed to think too hard about the yeah, hierarchy yeah. right now. But the hierarchy is definitely here. It's still there. Yeah. Uh, so Kelly asks Vince if he's afraid to face Austin. And Vince is like, 
Well, I <laughs> this have, is amazing. I have butterflies, but I, I'm not afraid. I wasn't afraid of the U.S. government. Has to bring that up, of course. Wasn't afraid of Ted Turner and Has Time to, Warner. Of course, bring that up. Also, not afraid of the Big Bad Wolf. I didn't get that part Me neither. White Wolf Productions, kind of <laughs> and the Stooges cheer on Vince. They're like, yeah, you get him, Vince. You yeah. know. And then the headbangers are in the ring, and the lights go out. Is it Kane now? No. no. It's the Undertaker again. I like how his entrance isn't long here. He just like storms <laughs> yeah. out, die, 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 like just beats the shit out of him. Get the fuck out here, You're right. Yeah, like, like it's good. His music hits and the lights are out, but he, he kind of speed walks to the ring, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's not fucking around. So the headbangers attack him when he gets to the ring, but yeah. he fights back easily. Tombstone's Thrasher, Chokeslam's Mosh. You didn't understand how that would specifically motivate Kane. Right. Why would Kane or Paul Bear care that these people are getting beat up? Yeah, they don't give a shit. Like, he just let him beat up everyone. And I also said to you is like the logic would be is if Kane does not come out, yeah. that Undertaker would interfere in the main event, wouldn't right. he? Because he doesn't give a shit. He's just trying to get Kane to come out. He's disrupting the show, but Kane's music does hit and the lights Thank go God. out. Yeah, Paul- we get now we can see Vince versus Stone Cold <sighs> uninterrupted. Yeah, right, right? exactly. Yeah. Uninterrupted. Yeah. Nothing can interrupt that, right? Because yeah. Kane and Undertaker are getting they their shit out the of the stage, way. Right? That's it. Like it can't be interrupted because now Undertaker's gotten his uh demands met. Yeah. So nothing will stop that match from happening. But right. Paul Bear gets on the mic, he calls Undertaker Rigor Mortis, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Paul Bear is very good on the mic. Yeah, yeah. he is. And I never realized that. Other than that. the Rigor Mortis comment. Yeah. But like 97, 98 heel Paul Bear is very good. He is, yeah. He he says like a lot of cutting things to the Undertaker. Yeah. Like stuff that should hurt down deep. Right. Yeah. Like that that he he and Kane can fight on Undertaker's parents' grave. Right. And then they'll leave him there. Yeah, holy shit. So Kane does like the arm motion to make his pyro. Remember that? And like Jerry's like, what's he doing? Yeah, Jerry's like, uh-huh, what is he? Uh-huh, what does that mean? How to do that? How to do that? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? He does this every fucking right. week since like October. Came, yeah, since he like came in the hell in the cell. Like, what right. the fuck? <laughs> I was so confused by that. So basically Paul Bear laughs, they leave, and then we see a dressing room door. And it's opened by one Val Venus, and he's doing his, uh, <laughs> I was yeah. just doing some casting for our next film, Lust in Space. Of course. Now, Quinn, you were asking me about Val's uh, Venus size. I, I was told by the kayfabe writers here that uh, he has the biggest d- in all of wrestling or something. Right? Really? I did, I did not know that. Well, didn't they say That's that weird, before? Isn't weird. that like what they say? I thought Scorpio did, actually, is what I hear. Wait, was that a storyline? Batista? I don't know. One of them uh, does. I don't know if Venus has the biggest Venus, but yeah. uh, anyway, a lady's tit falls out. Man, these girls are ultra skanky, and skanky is definitely a 90s term. <laughs> That's why I said that. Thank you, Quinn. Yeah. So Val says, uh, I'll give it my all, inch by inch. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a graphic that says, Val Venus is coming. Um, yeah. What does that mean? What is yeah. Val Venus is coming? What does that mm-hmm. mean? Anything? I, I don't know. Okay. But uh, you know who is coming? Yeah. DX. Yeah, DX music mm-hmm. hits. Uh, you have problems with their video. Okay, so I never like this. I hate that whole, like, it flashes the video, but it's also them coming. It's just, like, distracting. I'm like, they're making an entrance. Why can't I see the entrance? I don't want to see stuff from six months ago, like, flash across the screen. And then later, it's even worse. It's, like, stuff from, like, two years ago when, like, DX is still around. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Even when they're, like, corporate DX later you on. still see Slaughter with his shirt ripped off yeah, in the like, powder. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Like, I don't care about this shit. I'm sorry, Quinn. So Owen Hart's ambulance music hits, and he comes out, and he's like, you worthless degenerates! One of you is going to get your ass kicked! And uh, Triple H cuts a really long, dumb, unfunny promo about how he had all members of DX uh, write a 500-word essay. uh, 
to see who could face Owen. Uh, and Billy Gunn is the winner. And Triple H calls him Mr. Ass, which is very early. Yeah. Well, he did have Mr. Ass on his trunks this week, which is new. Yeah, but it's early yeah. to be calling him yeah, that, right? Yeah, I don't remember that being... A- he didn't have the I'm an ass man no, that's music not or anything like that. So Billy Gunn has two words for him. Suck it. And JR's like, that's creative. Suck it! Oh. That's creative. It should have been suck ass. Like <laughs> That's what I thought he should have said. Suck I got ass. two words for you. Suck ass! <laughs> so LOD 2000's music hits ugh, with the very attractive Sonny. Yes, the Sonny who does the butt dance like she's like a mom. Like a 70 wind yeah. 90s mom, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Sally Field and Mrs. Doubtfire right, 90s moms. Yes. The whole time, the whole time, you would... The whole time! Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Miranda, uh, please. Don't talk to me. If you haven't caught on, folks, I have much more appreciation for the talents of, maybe not the personal life and career decisions of, yeah. but the talent and charisma of Tammy Sitch versus Rena Mero. Right. And I think it's a shame that Tammy ruined her life. Yeah. Because she was so young. Quinn, she's 25 years. She ruined her life partially because of Sable. That was why, remember, <sighs> yeah. that was part of it. That well, was, Vince, she, she started noticing her spot going away. And Vince and Vince really loved Rena Mero for some reason. I don't know why. I, I, she's so plastic looking and wooden and just awful. Well, her, awful. her look fits the 90s. Sonny's more natural. I mean, her it, look fits a woman in her 90s. But no, but think about the 90s and I mean, it was the Get era of, of fake boobs and stuff. Well, that, I mean, Sonny's like, were fake too, but they didn't look as fake. Yeah, she had implants, yeah. but they didn't look as. Blatant. I'm just saying, it, Sable is more of her time than Sonny. I think Sonny's more like timeless. Yeah, timeless. Yeah, and I'm, much, I'm serious. Yeah, once and for all, do you agree that Sonny's more talented? The talent, yes. Yeah. Sonny okay, had way you. more talent. I mean, Cornette himself uh, oh, agreed God, that yeah. she was like the best heel in Smoky Mountain. She was like, fantastic. Yeah, and it's just a shame. I just think of what could have been with her. Yeah. And the, and the only the reason thing. I'm bringing up the looks is because that's how the decision no, was made. You're, you're right. Like, it was that, looks. It was totally looks. It was looks. They I looked agree. at Sunny. They looked at Sable, and they said Sable was the one. I was always a Sunny guy. Because she has fake boobs, yeah. and that are huge. Now you met Sunny. Yeah, I did. You had a picture with I her. Met her at the flea market in New Jersey, but she's from she's from Jersey, she's from Jersey so, not far from us. Yeah, actually, I guess it was an off day, and she went to sign autographs at mm-hmm. the uh, flea market, and that was body Donna Sunny. Yeah. She was still bodied on us. She was very Sunny. nice, and I was a little kid, and she was very, very nice. Oh, that's sweet. You know, she let me sit on her lap and did Ooh. the whole, like, again, did the whole sunny, like, Is mom, a mom edition. Hey, thing. down there. <laughs> How you doing, hon? <laughs> yeah, like, right, like, right. Yeah, like. <laughs> like, she should be offering you some more coffee at a diner or right, something. Right, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was, it, I seriously, that's how the interaction oh, was. funny. She's like, okay, honey, come over here. Let's take a picture. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they just kind of stand there watching while uh, Triple H and X-Pac are on commentary. Now, backstage, I also need to mention here, backstage, uh, Vince has his shirt off, and yeah. he's working out, and King's like, ah! Yeah. Look at him! Look how good yeah, he was! This is actually, this is a historic moment because this is the first reveal that Vince isn't skinny under the right, suit. Like, right, yeah. He is final boss version yep. Streets of Rage Vince. First big reveal. Uh, Quinn, you said to me, Sonny should have joined DX. Yeah. Wouldn't I, that be awesome? LED stinks and also it would have fit Sonny more the front runner the, right the yeah, gold digger like once lod gets like fucked up yeah like when you remember when lod turns drunk or whatever <laughs> like yeah. that to me sunny should have joined dx <laughs> that's funny king makes one of the lod's robocop suits and i like yeah. hearing dx teaming up with yeah. king to make fun of shit yeah. and then we get a funny moment as billy gets tossed to the outside he gets up and looks behind him. He sees LOD and he falls. He's like, like ah! And yeah. then he like falls. Like, Billy Gunn, okay. That was For good. For all we crap on Billy Gunn, he had like... 
He had something. There was charisma there, and he could do wrestling things. Let's put it that yeah, way. He, he had talent. He had talent. He just was not going to be a top guy. I think, personally, they never gave him a real gimmick he could truly work with. Like, sink his teeth into. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I agree. I, I, I know you don't like him, but I also don't see him as a talent, like, a talent that didn't have any talent. Well, I think the problem is pushing him as a top guy. When they tried to do that in, like, 99, that was a bad to idea. To me, they were jumping the hoop there. Like, they were like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like They, they were, were pushing it. They were taking him before he was ready. Yeah, I, I just don't think he would have ever been ready. I think his, he was a career mid-carder, and that's he, good enough. He was more like where Brutus Beefcake was when he was, like, getting the Intercontinental push. In 90? In 90. In, no, in 88. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Good, but not a main eventer. Right. That type of thing, right? And, yeah. and had they let him do it correctly and be like, you know, a real guy in the yeah. mid-card scene, he, maybe he would have eventually found something and taken hold. You're right. Triple H and X-Pac make fun of Sonny and her uh, her alleged uh, proclivity to, um you know, to like the uh, t- the Venus, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, JR no-sells that completely. It's like, oh, front face lock <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and uh, LOD gets up. They confront DX for a while. What's Hawk's real name? It's like uh, Jim Helwig, Jerry <laughs> Helwig, something like that. Like, <laughs> Jerry Helwig. Yeah. It's uh, Michael Hegstrand. Yeah, I was asking you in the middle of this. I don't know why I thought of it, but like... Jerry Helwig. Jerry Helwig. Can we just call him Jerry Helwig from now on? Yeah, we can. Yeah. It's Michael Hagstrand for yeah. the record, though. Uh, King says to DX, you guys have, have my permission and encouragement to slap the hat off of JR. Yes. And then in a great touch, yeah. if you look closely in the background from the camera shot, yeah. you actually see Triple H knock JR's hat yes. off. Yeah. And he's like, leave me alone. Yeah. Leave me alone. It really does happen. It's not them just like saying it. And you guys have my permission and encouragement to just slap the hat off JR here. If he tries to smart off oh, you, hey, just smart it off. Oh, leave me alone, will you? That's the other guys that do that stuff. Let's be a little bit more creative. How about calling the match? Yeah, Gee, well, what an idea! It's perfect. And Jared's like, can we just call the match? Yeah. Uh, Jared then informs us that there are no more commercial breaks, and we have 25 minutes left. This yeah. Is- this when they is could weird. Kind of, I guess they had enough leverage with USA at this point right. to be able to do that. That's you know? crazy. That, that's a lot of non-commercial time. A it, half an hour. It is. That is a lot. So Owen wins with a roll-up while Billy Gunn's like fucking around. Yeah. And you were like, good. Fuck yeah. Billy Gunn. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> care. And then JR says his classic like, sophomore class field trip. Yeah, he said, that's what he would say for the entire year. Like, Any, including when Michaels was still there. DX. Uh, sophomore yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, Owen Hart has two words for DX. Suck it. <laughs> they should go back to high school. Go back to high school. Yeah. Hawk crotch chops, which is something I never needed to see. <laughs> Damn it, Jerry. God, they look so dumpy with their short hair and their half spike. Yeah, and but, I, God, they're horrible. LOD 2000 was... A, look, I appreciate the idea of trying to refresh them. It was them. cool the night it happened, and then they just never did anything again. And then remember, they become the old kind. I was, yeah, I was even asking, like, when did they become the old kind and Hawk falls off the thing and gets drunk or whatever? <laughs> Later in the year. Yeah. Vince, Slaughter, and the Stooges make their way to the ring as the people backstage are looking on. Like, yeah. the, the camera tracks them. Almost like that good fellas. Well, there's no more commercials, so there's nothing else to track. And the funny part about this camera tracking thing is the cameraman keeps following them and it gets the camera gets unplugged. It goes black because he just they didn't he really he didn't realize he ran out of rope. I think that's I think. really what happened. Yeah. I actually think that's what happened. So as uh, as they're making their entrance here, JR and King are 
bickering about the match. And JR's like, we're not the company that has the senior citizens as the champions, which clearly a shot yeah, at WCW. Tony Chimmel, who's been the ring announcer of the whole show, by the way, this is where Fink wasn't doing Raw really uh-huh. anymore. He announces Vince, uh, 241 pounds. Yeah, and notice the formal ring announcer because the title's on the That's line. right. I this like is that. serious. Yeah. From Greenwich, Connecticut, weighing in at 241 pounds. Oh, my gosh. The one, the only, Vince McMahon. Look at this. No music. For the record, Vince didn't start using No Chance in Hell until early 99. Right. Which was actually the Royal Rumble 99 theme song. Yeah, I was discussing this with you during it. I thought he had it earlier. Like mid-98. No. Like, I I didn't realize it was that late. He literally came out. For all these memorable things in 98, he had no music. Yeah. So Shane comes down shortly after Vince and the Stooges enter. He's trying to talk Vince out of it. Vince right. is like, let me do it. There's also a sign in the crowd that says, hi, Beaver. So Maybe that's where the Beaver cleavage came from. So hello, Beaver. Wherever yeah. you are, hi. Yeah. Uh, JR is very upset, Quinn. He's like, who's going to run the company if Vince gets hurt? I just bought a house. Yeah, I got what, a mortgage. What is that? Where is that? Like, it explains why JR went to stop it now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just really weird and it out of nowhere yeah. Like that that's his reason bought a house. why it can't happen. And why can't the company be, like, run if there's... The no Vince McMahon. Like, I, I guess they're just trying to stress the importance, right, of what Vince does. Yeah, I guess. I, mean, I It's I just know. a weird thing. It's like they still have other people that work there. They always have Jerry Jarrett come in and run it. Yeah, well, he was supposed to. Remember, Vince was going to direct him from prison like a mafia boss yeah, or something? Exactly. John Gotti. Austin makes his way out. Mike Chioda is the interim senior official with Earl Hebner out right. due to Baby an aneurysm. Baby Earl is hurt or Baby Earl whatever is hurt. that yep. they acknowledge him as Baby Earl mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. So the crowd is legitimately watching in hushed, quiet yes. anticipation. They are actually like, can't believe this is going to happen. JR, you seem awfully calm. I can't be- I can't believe what we're about to witness. Oh, it's not calm, King. Austin and Vince McMahon, who was a new heel okay, let's, for only a let's, few months. Let's, um, now that we're right here, let's talk about the magnitude of this at the time. Because I remember, personally, Yep. My mom's boyfriend, who got me into one of the people who got me into wrestling. Yeah, big um, wrestling fan. He was a big wrestling fan. Called you hairball. He, yeah, and he was very stunned this was happening. He just couldn't believe that Vince McMahon would get in the ring. Like, it was so yeah. shocking. Well, this is a guy that, if you've been watching for 10 years, for 20 years, 25 years right. even, he was the announcer. Right. All throughout from the early 70s until 1997. Yeah. He, he was, it was only recently that he became a heel and an on-screen character. Right. Last but, few but months. But even if he was a heel, I think it was beyond people's comprehension that he could get in the ring. Yeah. We have to stress that because I don't think a lot of people look at it that way now because they've seen Vince wrestle a million times. Oh, yeah, right, right. But at this point in time, it was like, Vince McMahon in the ring? Yeah. How, is this, how this is this happening? This was new. Yeah, like... This, this was a new concept. Was unbelievable. Did Bischoff wrestle? Yeah, he wrestled We never saw him with his shirt off. <laughs> Part of the, mus- the muscles thing was a big thing. My muscles. Muscles too huge. Can't reach face. We get a stare down, and then Vince lays in a very harsh slap, which jacks up the crowd. Yeah. Vince gets on the mic, reminds Austin... He said he beat Vince with one hand behind his back. Yes, and this is where we realize Vince, the whole reason he agreed to this is because Austin had said that. Mm-hmm. And Vince has outsmarted him. And there's really nothing Austin can do here. He really did say that. He, he claims did. he's a face. Yep. So he's a man of his word. Yep. 
what is he going to do? do it. So Briscoe like holds out a rope and uh, Vince yeah. says uh, to tie up the uh, stunner arm. Right. Specifically. Not, not the not the left arm, right. the, the right arm, the tie stunner up the right arm. arm. And then Vince is like, come on, hot shot. Yeah, he keeps <laughs> mocking him. Come on, hot shot. Austin, Austin is right handed. And yes, that is the arm. He delivers hot shot. The stunner with. It's funny. So Briscoe and Austin are dicking around while Briscoe's tying it up and uh Austin gets on the mic and says, if you want me to whip his damn ass with one arm, give me a hell yeah. And then Vince gets on the mic yeah. and he's like, if you think Vince McMahon can beat Steve Austin's ass with one arm behind his back, give me a hell yeah. And the crowd's like, hell no. And Vince gets all <laughs> yeah, mad. He gets very mad with the crowd that they crapped on him. Classic heel yeah. move there, right? Like, that, what do you mean? That's you know? almost an early version of shut up. Yeah, basically. Like, yeah, that look he gives to everyone. The Stooges take forever stalling. They're like massaging Vince, like loosening him up and everything, yeah. getting him ready. And like he's a boxer. Yeah, like, like boxing. When does this happen in wrestling where they like, what do they have, corner men in wrestling? <laughs> right. Like I've never seen that before. <laughs> this is the best. Briscoe pulls out a white case and gives Vince a <laughs> mouth guard. Even King legit laughs yeah, it about was it. Like, it was very out of nowhere and like weird and funny. Yeah. <laughs> a mouthpiece. You don't want to chip those pearly whites. We're finally ready to lock up. That's it. They're coming together. And then dude loves music hits. Now, he's been gone for months. We haven't seen him since that one little tiny appearance at the Rumble. Right. But other than that, he's been gone a real long time. He comes out and he's like, can't we all just get along? And no one is happy to see him. His hair is like fluffier. Yeah. He just just seems like annoying. Right. It's like, what the... Of all people. At all times. This is the only thing we wanted to see for like months. And it's dude love of all versions of Mick Foley too. I I want you to explain why this is good. Well, what happens here is dude comes out and he says he's going to veto this match. Now, you have to remember, dude love and Steve Austin just this past July were tag team champions. Right. We're locked in, but they were both face. Dude love was a face, right? Mm -hmm. Dude's like, Uncle Vinny, you are my McMain man. Dude's rambling on and on and on. Vince actually shoves him down. Right. Vince is like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, like, he, get out of here. Yeah, it, it's the usual when Vince is mad at mankind. He's like, almost like you ruined it. Kind yeah, of you ruined it. Yeah, that, he said it to Austin. But my point is, it's that Vince being like annoyed with Foley. Right. Dude comes over to Vince and tries to give him the man of McClaw. But Austin comes up behind Dude Love to try to stop it. I, th- I don't know right. what Austin was trying to do. So dude just turns it over on Austin. Yeah. And puts him down with the claw and he lays him out. And this is something I don't forget because they're bringing, they're knocking Vince away. And like Vince is like, he wants to take dude love because he wanted to fight Austin. Right. The way I remember it in my brain is that Vince and dude were in cahoots. But you explained that that's like later or something. In a week or two, Vince basically coerces dude love into joining up with him and they memorably dance on the love shack member dudes little Mm. interview segment so what this sets up and we'll we'll wrap up the raw in a second but what this sets up is mankind's whole 1998 arc right from pressing vince or whatever literally the two dude love matches in april and may against austin the mankind match in june and then the sympathetic mankind throughout the summer into the fall into the deadly game into the deadly games earlier and then the world champion so anyway, Vince and company are getting out of there, but like Vince is pissed off. Dude invites him in the ring. Vince is held back by the Stooges and yeah. Kyoto. I like that, by the way, that Vince is like so mad. He's right pissed. Now. Yeah. And then outside, Austin and dude brawl for a bit. A cameraman actually goes down. They fight on the announce table as Jarrah flips out. And we go to black and that's raw 
April 13th, 98, and it beat Nitro Quinn. And honestly, even though there's a couple of stupid matches, not a dull moment on the show. No, great Raw. I want to say this just as an aside. Um, if you want to watch this Raw, it's on the network. And there's actually um, some after Raw went off the air footage, which if if you're a fan and grew up in the Attitude Era, I'd recommend because it was kind of cool to see it. It's, it was. It, they Apparently, they would film what happened after these Raws. So they just kept the cameras rolling, but they never had shown this footage. And right. it, I had read somewhere that um, on the network, I think it's all, almost every Raw from this time period, they have all the after footage. So if you're a real big fan, if you grew up in this era like we did, right. it's very cool little extra. It's called Attitude Extra. You'll see a little thing in the corner yeah. after the show goes off the air. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. Yeah. So overall, Quinn, this is a beautiful slice of what was great about the WWF in 98. Everyone we saw, whether you like him or not, heel or face, had something to do. Yeah. Everyone had a motivation. I would say this is our prime of being wrestling fans. Spring and summer 98, man. Yeah. Yeah, This is it. Like, and um, it's just a great raw. It It really is. (laughs) I know you don't like WCW much, but I thought WCW was just as good at the time. I, I've i always told you I like 98 WCW. Yeah, I, it's 97 I don't like. I guess what I'm saying is as being a wrestling fan at the time, it just felt there was no bad wrestling. ECW was cool. WCW was cool. WWF was cool. Like Quinn, they, I watched 98 yeah. WCW a lot. I yeah. mean, I watched Slamboree live yeah. and I think Great American Bash. Yeah, like, I watched a lot of I WCW. Just want, I just want to emphasize that. That's all. <laughs> That's fine. You can emphasize it all you want. I agree with you. 100% I agree yeah. with you. 1998 is good if you're a fan of both organizations, WWF, WCW. And if you if you like ECW, they're really good too in 98. Yeah. Still good, I should yeah. say. But overall, as far as a Raw is concerned, as far as a two-hour wrestling show is concerned, holy shit did that fly by. Yeah. Everything just boom, We thought boom, we were going to have to fast boom, forward boom. like yeah. shitty stuff. What a show and a... Uh, a great job, so congratulations on uh, Vince Russo, I guess, if he's allowed to get any credit. You know, one day I want Vince Russo on this show, I swear. I wish. Yeah, uh, Vito or Vito's wife, Noel yeah. Lagrasso. If you're out there and you can get us Vince Russo, please do. But you know what, folks? Thank you so much again for being with us here as we have romped through the world of retro wrestling yet again, 1998. You know, next year is the last year, Quinn, of the 90s. Wow. 1999. <laughs> It's going to be a great year. It will be a great year. I hope so. Well, we'll see what happens, actually. So we will be with you next week, the 17th. But until that time, be sure to check us out on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can reach us by email at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. Join the group. You can join it on Patreon at patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. And again, if you want to be heard on OVP 100 in two weeks, send something in. Until next time, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. NBC next Thursday, the night of TV history you've been waiting for. The greatest Seinfeld ever. The final Seinfeld. How will it all end? Even we don't know, and we work here. (laughs) It all starts 8, 7 central. NBC final Seinfeld Thursday. Don't be the only one to miss it. It sucks! (laughs)